It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome in. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Matthew Ice Hayes the third, and CB upside down in those pineapples left and right we will take you three hours deep mm. and we'll do a lot today nfl we got some uh, off-season stories that aren't fun to talk about but we will we've got an open championship going on over there in sandwich sandwich kent england wherever the world that is yeah. somewhere in the southern england area looks nice sailboats people watching golf yeah. thick thatch heather Fl- look at that just just golden waves. That is the perfect summer weather for me, what they've got going on right now. And you know how I am about rainy days and cloudy days. And I looked at the forecast for what these dudes are dealing with for the rest of the week. And we're talking highs of 73, 69. Ooh. I mean, that is just beautiful stuff, what we got going on Our over favorite. there, man. I need to be out there roaming the fairway with those dudes right now. That yeah. That's it for me, summer. Yeah. Give me a peak of 75. That's a win for me. Weird golf over there, Maddie. I don't know. I don't know. I like to play to a yardage, sir. I don't like to yeah, watch I'm that Yeah, I'm not really talking work. golf right now. I'm more All just talking humps. weather. Yeah. That works for me. Get me out humps. of the humidity, man. Those humps. Those are tough. Tough to navigate. Uh, we'll get into that. We will climb aboard the NBA train because now we are in full force of a series. Oh, it's on and popping And I now. was locked in. Now, it was Brick City for a while. In the fourth, like there was a time where everyone was just throwing up a brick. But when we got to crunch time, that was a game last night. We'll hit that as we move along. I didn't want to bring the show to a uh, screeching halt here from the beginning, but I do want to share a couple things from the uh, Matisse Kivlenix service today. Uh, It was as moving as anything. There were, as expected, um, a lot of tears a lot of laughs, a lot of great stories um, that none of them should have been told in this format. We all know that. This is an accident in every sense of the word that is a was was just tragic. And to see, you know, Matisse's mother and stepfather and sister and uncle and have to uh, have listened to those words today. But I will say this. If there was any doubt that the Columbus Blue Jackets um, weren't a family, those are put to rest today because of what I saw and what they were able to organize. The people who came in for this, uh, the people that had to navigate different you know, time zones and country and Canada and all that and quarantine yeah. and, and to see um, Brad Mary Shaw and, and Torts and his lovely wife Christine come back and be a part of this. It just it tells you what this, who this kid touched, and and what it means. And I was talking to Lars the other day, and there was a, there was you know JD talked about Lars, you know, running up to Michigan after this happened. And you know what's really awkward when you get congratulated or applauded or acknowledged for that. It's what you do. It's what you do. Yeah. When, when something tragic happens to a family member, you don't think, you go. And that's what I've witnessed over the last uh, little while here. Lars talked about, uh, you know, fighting back tears about how, 
just to give you a little sense on on who Kivy was, he was this fun-loving kid, but he loved to prank. He was like, he, in fact, Lars said that he used to go on the internet like study pranking, <laughs> like he always wanted to get get one of his dudes. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Gerby spoke, and what was interesting about Gerbs was that they had to take a three-hour car ride together because Gerbs was going back to Michigan and to see family, and they wanted him to drop Kivy at Manny's house. Because Kivy used to spend or had spent every summer at Manny's house, the goaltending coach. It it, it was their adopt. He was their adopted son. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived with them through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like there are some things that that maybe people didn't know that I think are uh, worth passing on today. Uh, Gerbs talked about you know respect and good attitude and hard work and the three things that his family has rules on in his house, and that was what Kivy Kivy lived those those three phrases. Um, you know, it was when Manny got up there, there, there's not, I mean, think about this and as, as tough as this is that his daughter was married and this tragedy happened on that day at his home. And if there's anyone you need to keep in mind, it, it's, it's Manny and his family. It's, it, it's beyond words what they will have to live with the rest of their lives. Um, when he got up there and spoke today, he said that Kivy would have hated this. He would have hated people getting together to talk about him glowingly, that he would have rather um, just, hey, everybody have a beer and move on and, and be on their way. Uh, the players and coaches that, that left their summer homes and off-season to come in for this um, is certainly tells you about family. And like I said, he would go and live at Manny with, his, with Manny and his wife every summer and then through the pandemic, and it was like a son. And, and it was, it, they'd golf together, they'd play cards together, and there was a reason he had the Joker on his mask. That's 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 who he was. Yeah. And he was a brother to Manny's kids. Uh, he wanted to be there for the wedding. Uh, and and probably the line of the service was when Manny said, "Torts even came in, and he hates goalies." And they all had an incredible laugh about that. And he's the only goalie to have beaten Canada, a Latvian goalie to have beaten Canada. And he was always the one more drill guy. One more drill. Let me get more. One more drill, yep. coach. And it was, and they'd say, well, wait, and we got back-to-back games. You're going to probably play both of them. One more drill. Yeah, love it. And they had, to, they had to kick him out, basically. And that's because he loved what he did. He loved what he did for a living, trying to be an NHL goalie. Elvis got up there, and it was as moving as anything I've ever heard. It was... So honest and so just, just it just bled. And when Elvis heard that a Latvian goalie was signed by the Blue Jackets, he's like, "Well, Latvia is not that big." And I've never heard of this kid. Like I've never heard of Matisse Kivlenics. Like he's from nowhere. Yeah. Like when it comes to Latvia, he's from nowhere. And he started to share it, Maddie, about how it, it kind of bothered him at first, and then how they he became his brother his younger brother stayed with him in his guest room in his house um and he talked about how he cleaned the house and did the dishes a lot more than elvis does and that his wife would kid him about the bromance that he had brewing with with matisse kivlenix and they were inseparable for a couple years and how he talked about how uh that when he played golf with him, how he was so obsessive compulsive, how he would 
not clean his clubs. He would polish his clubs. And even after the ball was long gone, he was still there taking his practice swings. <laughs> and he was so uh, meticulous about it. And I think what was so amazing is when Elvis said there must have been 60 or 70 people at this event, certainly on that day. And he wasn't, he was talking to everyone but Matisse. Matisse was somewhere else. And he said, but he always would find me. Like he found me. And so it was, it was amazingly moving. And I think the most incredible part about this was that he said that Matisse made him stronger as a man. Like he made, like almost like he had to take care of this younger brother, which fast forwarded him into more adulthood almost. And that's just my theory on it or my, my take on it. And then he, he said that he believed in destiny and even though this tra- it was so tragic and no one could ever have thought this might have happened, that he was standing 20 feet behind him with his wife, who's carrying his unborn child. And he felt like it was destiny that he died a hero, that he believes that he did save them and that he saved his kid. And now he's his, the middle name of his, of his unborn child will be Matisse. Yeah. And that he died a hero and that he saved his last puck, the most important one. Mm. And when I heard that, I got chills and I started to kind of choke up myself. And I just, listening to Elvis talk about this organization and what they did for that kid and his family today, CBJ doesn't want any applause for that. Like I said to me, it's what you do. But for a young kid growing up in Latvia and Elvis and living his NHL dream, and finding this new brother. And then at the very end, he looked at the family, and I believe that needed to be translated to them. Um, he looked at Matisse's sister and said, I'm, I'm, I learned how to be honest and straight from the man sitting back there, John Tortorella. And I'm going to tell it to you straight. I'm not your brother, but I'm your new brother. And I will be there for the rest of your life, whatever you need. And he looked at, at Matisse's mom and stepdad and uncle and sister and said the same thing, that you are my family, I will always support you, this was my brother, and now I'm part of your family. And I'm telling you, it was as amazing as any any eulogy I've ever heard. No one was looking at notes, everybody spoke from the heart, and you could just tell it was a family, and that's what families do. And I I was incredibly moved by it. Special words from Elvis in such a tough time. And when you mentioned what he said, it gave me chills. Um, it's the unthinkable, and for the people that were there, and especially within that distance and all of that, your heart shatters for all of them, and especially now for Matisse's family, who the pain, who knows when that pain goes away, and, and especially for, obviously, his teammates and coaches and just everyone involved. Um, it's such a tough, tough pill to swallow, but it's always... A good thing, right? When there's these cloudy days in your life to have people speak the way they spoke about him, to try to bring out some sunlight and let the world know what type of guy he really is. Because for what we do, they're athletes. We don't get a lot of personal stuff from these guys all the time. So it's unfortunate, very unfortunate that it took a situation like this to maybe find out some things like that. But his legacy is what will now live on through his family and through guys like Elvis who are not going to let him down. And they're going to be 
doing everything in their power, I have to imagine, to let people know this was the guy. This is who he really was, and he was a special, special person, not just when we're out there working and trying to become better players night in and night out, but when we left the facility, this is what he meant to me, and this is what he meant to people around him, and I think that is the most important part of all of this. So this is a healing process, obviously, for everyone involved, but man, those type of stories and quotes and all of that, it goes right to your heart, man. You can't help but feel a little bit of good. And I say a little bit because that's all you can probably muster up right now in a situation like this. But to me, that helps a little, at least for people like me, when you can look back and shine light on all the positives and things that you can carry on. And I think that's going to be a large piece of this for everyone involved over there. And, and again, thoughts and prayers go out to everyone uh, that has been touched by this and is feeling the sting of this unthinkable loss. Yeah. You don't get over it. It doesn't get less. You learn to live with it. People out there that have lost people, it never goes away. You just learn to live with it. Yep. You learn to try to carry on their legacy because that's what they would have wanted. Um, but that's that. And he wasn't a starter, right? He had a future in the league, but they looked at him as one of their own. Mm -hmm. And it's so beyond the wins and losses and it's a business and you're right. And, and you can't live in deep perspective every day of your life. It's just, it's too hard. Um, there are some great lessons to learn from it and that accidents do happen and you do have to cherish every minute you have. It's tough to live that way. But when these things happen, you look back and now you, you try to find some perspective in it. But the, we, we threw out culture and all that cliche and stuff sure. about the Jackets, and we've done it for a while now, the last several years, throwing out the culture and what it means and how you treat people in the organization. And, and this guy got benched not because he wasn't playing well, because he treated someone with disrespect or something where they crossed a line. And, and there are people that want to throw that stuff away and like it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Because when things come around like this, you see it matters. You, you see the people yep. that, that rallied around each other, that it is beyond the wins and losses. And the Jackets and their foundation and the McConnell family established the Matisse Kiblenics Memorial Fund in memory of number 80. And, and every contribution will support youth hockey initiatives right here in Seabus and Latvia. And it'll be matched up to 80 grand, his number. So. You can go on the Blue Jackets uh, site and check that out. But I just wanted to share some of that stuff because I thought it was, um, like you said, we didn't know him. Mm -hmm. And now we feel like we do a little bit. The prankster, yeah. the hard worker, the good attitude kid, yeah. the one who loved his job, loved his life, found a new brother who ironically played the same position, mm -hmm. who eventually he'd want to fight to win. And how they became close. The whole thing brings what it's supposed to be about, you know, beyond what you do. It's not who you are. Yeah. And I think that's what I learned today about Matisse Kivlenics. We'll come back. Off and running. Rothman and Ice on the fan. What's the best way to scare your kids into submission? By blasting morning juice through the speakers. You're welcome. Morning juice. Weekdays at 6. The fan. One of them survives on almonds and broccoli. The other crushes frozen pizza in his unwashed sweats. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice Hayes. The Aaron Rodgers saga, for most people, I think, is now reached its 
jump the shark mode. Like, I'm not saying you're not interested in finding out what's going to happen, and we're 12 days and counting till training camp, and that's going to be the next line in the sand. And if he doesn't show up for training camp, Matty, yeah. then all of a sudden we do have a dig-in situation. And then I do believe that Aaron Rodgers does want to see the Packers sink. Not that he wants to throw them the life preserver, because I don't know that either. <laughs> But maybe he does just want to watch them sink and then eventually get what he wants. But if you want to take one thing, one dude's take, and we've had other former athletes that have played with him. We've had coaches. We've had analysts that have talked about it. People that think they know what he's feeling. Mm -hmm. He dropped a we'll figure things out, which I think and you think is much different than a we'll see, won't we, which he dropped at the... Uh, the Tahoe. match. Oh, at the Tahoe match, you're right. Tahoe Tahoe will figure the, it out. Yeah, right. His little "we'll see," won't we? Was almost like a. <laughs> I want them to, to to continue to sweat it out. Did he ever get Charles Barkley the the scoop? No, Remember never, he said that. No, okay, nothing not, with not, Charles. We figured that. Well, right? unless he did, and Charles decided not to say anything. Right. Right. He told him he gave him full right. run with gave it. Gave him uh, power of attorney. <laughs> right. But AJ Hawks spent nine seasons as his teammate, yeah. and presumably they are. Very good friends. Yeah. <laughs> and still very much are. And if he just spent a week with him in Montana, and he said on his show with Pat McAfee, he likes to compete. Does that look like a guy who's going to sit out and retire to you? Aaron looks great. He seems mentally in a good spot. What I've said from the start, I don't see him playing anywhere else. I don't see Green Bay trading him. I don't see that happening. I don't know how it has to work, but yeah, I feel like he's going to be in Green Bay. There if, you go. If if you, let's say you were thinking about moving on or something, or you were going to move somewhere. Leaving you guys behind? Yeah, exactly. That ain't happening. Well, or you were unhappy and for whatever reason. Just holding out on shows. Not, right. <laughs> Not answering prep calls. No, and you're all still that. here, but <laughs> yes. But you were interested in taking your talent somewhere else. Yeah. And it became kind of the soap opera around the station. Mm. Oh, Matt, he's not happy. He's he doesn't saying much, but he ain't happy. We all know it. <laughs> and people say, well, Anthony, you work with him every day, three hours a day. Yeah. You work with him 15 hours a week. <laughs> like, and I said, he's not, I don't see him going anywhere else. People would say, he probably knows something. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wouldn't and and in reverse, even if I did know something, but I wanted to protect your privacy as your best friend or one of them, I would I would say he's man, he's good. He'll figure it out. Yeah. You would you would you would dance around it. For sure. AJ didn't stop dancing. No. So this is heavy to me. This holds a lot of weight to me. And I think you and I have been kind of warming up to him showing up now maybe it won't be day one or maybe it won't be day five who knows but when you have this guy now on the record saying this absolutely i I think eventually he is going to show up and i can't wait to hear from aaron if and when we do get him showing up to training camp because we still need more We, we still need to know the reason why we're doing this or have done this for this amount of time but i think it's a great analogy that you bring up because i think a lot of people would do the same thing if it were reversed and i were on here and people were asking me what the heck's going on with ar and i drop a quote like this saying hey he looks like he's ready to compete 
That is big, and that's why I've been locking in on when he said, I'm still going to get training. We're training. I'm ready to go. It's time to gear up. Now, he didn't say that, but that's the way I took Aaron Rodgers' comments coming out of Tahoe and the we'll figure it out in a couple weeks thing to me was a nothing thing because I had, to me, he already has it figured out. He knows what his plan is going to be, and now I think the plan is going to be showing up at training camp, and I think this may be over here in the next couple of weeks. So when a guy like A.J. Hawk comes out, a guy like James Jones comes out, guys that were in the locker room with him and know how he's wired, and they have been saying, especially James Jones has been saying for a long time now on the NFL Network that they think they're going to figure this thing out, then I can't push back on that anymore because these are guys that are kind of speaking for Aaron. Because they're not going to come out and make these comments knowing that Aaron is not signing off on this. They have to know that Aaron's going to be okay with them coming out and saying, yeah, he's probably going to be there. And if AJ's going to be shocked if he's not there, then I think we got to take the former Buckeye at his word. So it's a great point, and here's, and here's why I believe it is a great point. If Aaron Rodgers is still, quote, dug in and not bluffing the Packers, but leveraging the Packers, yeah. you wouldn't want someone very close to you to go public with, I see him going back. Right. It it hurts the leverage yeah. part and it hurts the perception of it. Mm-hmm. We we've, we've seen bo- Packer fan, I don't know where Packer fan stands on this. I think it's probably 50-50. Really? I I think it's maybe 60-40 that they blame the organization because of they know cuz the player always wins in perception yeah. over ownership, mm-hmm. but I do think there is probably 40% of Packer fan out there that is like, "Hey, come back or don't." We we I I can't have this this uh, holding hostage of your feelings and where you went. Everybody knows he wanted to get traded. That that I think is a fact. He didn't get traded, so he didn't get what he wanted right away. Mm-hmm. So his options started to dwindle. The biggest option I thought he should have taken was the opt out. If he really didn't want to win in green and gold anymore yeah. and didn't get a trade, right. But you're really serious about not playing for them anymore. Take the year off. Everyone will still love you. They'll still think you're very valuable mm-hmm. and and take all your money and be gone for a year and let the mystery continue and let the Packers move on without you. That way they would know they're going with Jordan Love. Yeah. And then Jordan, by the way, if you played a season with Jordan Love, sink or swim with Jordan Love, you're going to pull the plug on him after one season. If he got 17 games in, good, bad, or ugly, or all, you'd want to continue that. I think Rodgers' leverage might be better once they get love off the ground a little bit, because then they'll have to move forward. So now I, you know, when we had Shefty on yesterday and he was kind of hinting at where he threw out there, it's not about money. Now my mind goes to how much longer is he going to be around? And I can't imagine it's going to be much more than another year. So is he going to try to work something out to where he can get that contract in a situation right. to where after this year it's a That's wrap. the wink-wink part. Yeah. I agree. National NFL reporter for fansided Matt Verderam. Next, Rothman and Ice on the fan. Winners of the prestigious Platinum Microphone Award every year. Given to the best radio station in the world. Uh, no need to look it up. It's real. The fan. A former country club tennis pro and a high school baseball player. Don't be too impressed. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Our friend Matt Verderam. I call him the MVP. National NFL reporter for Fansided. Verd's good to have you back. How you been? Good, good. Just drove from New York to uh, Chicago this morning, so a little tired, but hanging in there. All right, nice. Well, enjoy Chi-Town. Hopefully you're there for good reason. And 
Let me uh, ask you about the Aaron Rodgers saga because we're 12 days now in ticking. Uh, first question is, do you believe he'll show up? Second, uh, do A.J. Hawks' words about predicting that he will be a Packer, uh, does that ring as close to anything you've heard as an endorsement that he will come back? Well, you know, for starters, I think he'll be in camp. I don't know that he'll show up day one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would be kind of surprised to show up day one. You know, and frankly, if you're him, why? Why even bother? I mean, as long as you really just don't want to get fined, you don't want to lose a dime. Uh, but he already skipped out on mini camps. He's showing he's only going to lose a little money. As far as what AJ Hawk said, look, I, I just, I, I felt this way. We've talked about this. I've written about this. I felt that he was going to be a Packer since all this started. Now, you want to talk about after after the season? After the season, I think he gets traded. And then I think the Packers will sit down and say, all right, look, we've got Jordan Love. It's your three-hundred contract. We, we've got to move on. But right now, if you're Green Bay, if you go to trade him, if they've decided today to make him available, how many teams are realistically, A, able to trade for him, and B, would have interest in trading for him? It would probably be less than five. If you wait until March, it's probably half the league. So I, I think if you're the Packers, it's, it's crazy to entertain trading him right now, no matter how much he kicks and stops his feet. I saw Jim Kelly come out and say some really positive things about Josh Allen, and he thinks he'll be able to really get after a lot of his records that he left behind. Do you believe that what we saw last year from Josh Allen is going to be the real Josh Allen for the remainder of his career? I do. Look, I, I think he'll regress a little bit statistically this year just because to put up two years like that in a row is, is borderline inconceivable. I mean, Mahomes hasn't been able to do that, statistically speaking. Um so I, I, do I think he's going to throw for you know, almost 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns? No. But do I think he's, he's going to be a perennial Pro Bowl caliber player, maybe have a couple all-pros in his career? Yeah, I, I think so. He has all the tools. He's, he's got the mobility that I think in today's game you need. Um, he, he's got a huge arm. And I, the concern coming out of Wyoming was just that he was so inaccurate. Well, he was really accurate last year. The, the only concern I have if I'm the Bills is, if Diggs goes down for any length of time, who are your weapons? You got Cole Beasley in the slot. That's fine. But there's nobody else on the outside. And that's where I think no matter who you are, quarterback, all of a sudden you start looking and going, well, do we have enough? Um, but, yes, I, I think last year's Josh Allen is going to be you know, about the player that we see going forward. Matt Verderam with us talking NFL at Fansided. Uh, there's really it, – it's been an interesting time around Urban Meyer's you know, job here in Jacksonville, you know, the Tebow circus that's still going on. Um, then the stuff, uh, certainly with the, the aftermath of the Doyle hiring and then resigning. Um, but let's go to the football part of it. Um, do you still, do you feel like Urban Meyer was the right coach for them? Or has anything happened between the hiring and now uh, lend you to believe that this is not going to go well or be successful, rather, is a better way to put it? I, I'll be honest, I've never liked that hire. Ever. And I think Urban Meyer is a great coach. But other than Jimmy Johnson, the success rate of guys coming from college and going to the pros is nil. It doesn't happen. I know people say, oh, Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer won with Jimmy Johnson's team. The second that team started to get old, Jimmy you know, Barry Switzer did not have any success with them. You, you look at Steve Spurrier, Chip Kelly, on down the line. I mean, guys, you know, Bobby Petrino, Nick Saban, guys that come from college that have had a lot of success there. Bud Wilkinson back in the 70s, it typically doesn't translate. And with Meyer, look, 
when you're at Ohio State and you're recruiting five-star guys, and you can just bring in a factory's worth of players. It's not to say he wasn't a great coach. He was honestly great when he was at Utah and great coming up. But I, I, that's a big ask. And I think that Tebow thinks a big mistake. You're bringing in a guy who well, may be the hardest-working dude on the team, but is someone who, let's be real, does not deserve to be on the team. And there are going to be players in, on that roster who say, are you kidding me? He's just bringing in his guy, and he's costing my friend the roster spot. He's costing something else. That's that's going to rankle a lot of people in that locker room. And it, I, I think it's a very tough start for him and a very bad luck. We were having some fun over the last day or two with this Mahomes and Justin Herbert story that's been floating around. And I think a lot of people think highly of Justin Herbert, and rightfully so, based off of what we saw a year ago. But I want to lock in on their defense and what you think about their defense, because that's going to have to be the answer for Kansas City, obviously not Herbert. Where do you think the Chargers are going to stack up defensively going up against KC? I think the Chargers are a good team. I think they are a wild card team. And nine to ten wins somewhere in there. The Chargers' defense, to me, comes down to one thing: can they stay healthy? I mean, Derwin James is a great player, a great player. In fact, I'd argue he's about the only player that one-on-one can actually guard Travis Kelsey in the NFL. He's done it, but he's never healthy. And you know, they lost some guys this offseason. Now, Melvin Ingram, they could resign him, but he's a free agent right now. Denzel Perriman left for Carolina. They lost Casey Hayward to the Raiders. That's a lot. Like, now, they brought in Asante Samuel Jr., who I think should be a really good player drafted in the second round at FSU. But, you know, I think their defense will be good. I don't even, – even if James is healthy, I don't think it's like a top-five unit. I think it's top 10 to 12. It's right there. Now, if he's not healthy, that secondary is a big problem. Uh, then you're basically banking on a rookie in Samuel and hoping that other guys like Michael Davis hold up. And against Kansas City, look, it's going to come down to you've got to have an answer for Kelsey – and you've got to be able to rush the quarterback. And they have Bosa, but without Ingram there, there are questions. I think the defense is okay. I think it's, I think it's okay if James isn't there, but not great, not not even particularly good. If James is there, I think it's good enough to at least give the Chiefs some problems. Matt, the 2018 Steelers had eight Pro Bowlers and missed the playoffs. Um, the Browns are looked at as having the best roster in the NFL, or one of them, one of the top two or top three rosters. And I've been okay with making this... I don't know if I want to call it a make-or-break year for Baker, but he has all the weapons that you want to succeed. So I'm okay with them maybe making this a little bit of a prove-it time for him. I'm curious if you believe the same thing, if you're okay with that, and do you believe that the Browns are one of the best rosters and should live up to it this year? I think they're a top-five one, and you can make their even top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I think you know, Kansas City, Tampa, and then Cleveland's right there. You want to argue in there? That's fine. I don't have any issue with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's somewhat of a make or break for Baker. Now, look, if he doesn't play well, I think they'd move on from him, though. But he's in a spot where, and, and by the way, I wrote about this in Stack and Box on Monday for Fanside. Lamar Jackson, even though he's got more credentials than, than Baker, similar boat this year. Like, both those guys are playing for their next contract. And if, if Baker goes out and they don't play particularly well here, for whatever the reason, and they win nine games, and there may be a wild card, and they get bounced in the first round, that's not enough. People in Cleveland are not going to be like, oh, that, that's fine. That's good enough. To me, for the Browns and for Baker, they have to at least get back to the divisional round. They have to at least win you know, 11 games. They do that, and he throws 30 touchdowns and 4,000 yards. 
I, I think he's done enough to warrant himself an extension. But anything shy of that, and you're going to have a lot of people going, well, what happened? Well, you know, th- this is the first time, I'm 32, this is the first time in my life I can look back and say, look, the Browns should win that division. They're the best team. If they don't win that division, it's a failure. They're better than Pittsburgh. They're better than Baltimore, in my opinion. If they don't win that division, there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered in the offseason. They're loaded, man. They're absolutely loaded. Want to hit you up on the champs, saw that Chris Godwin in Tampa may not work out a long-term deal, but locking in on their offense, man, there's so many weapons on paper. But in your opinion, outside of Brady, who is the most important offensive piece for that unit? Evans. Evans has had a thousand yards every year of his career, and it's gone it's gone unnoticed largely until last year because they've been terrible. But he he makes them go. You know the the Bucks are fascinating to me. You know much like the Chiefs of last year, they brought back their whole team after winning the Super Bowl. And obviously, with Kansas City it worked right up to the end when they, they just could not overcome some offensive line injuries. The Bucks are an interesting team in the sense nobody was healthier last year than Tampa. Nobody. Now they bring back the team. That unlike Kansas City last year, brought back a young team. Tampa is an old team. It's the oldest team in the NFL. Not just Brady. You're talking about Gronk, Antonio Brown. Evans is no spring chicken. Guys on the defense, you know, whether you're talking about Sue or you're talking about Levante David. And this is, you know, Pierre Paul. This team with a lot of really important guys in their 30s and in some cases 40s. I am fascinated to see with the Bucs. Can they stay healthy? Can a team that played a long year last year? Come back and now play the longest NFL season we've ever had, and now they need that again. It's it's a big challenge, but if they can, I don't know who beats them in the NFC unless it's somehow Green Bay and it's Rodgers. Good stuff, Matt Verderam. Love having you on, bud. Be well and uh, enjoy whatever rest of the summer has to offer. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks. Guys. You too, Matt Verderam. Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. All right, we're tied up in the NBA Finals. Mm. What? A clutch performance last night. Final two and a half minutes. If you tuned in for just that, you probably got all you wanted that you needed. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. This is Ohio State football coach Ryan Day on your home for Buckeye football, the fan. Ohio sports destination. They both like to go to raves with the Bosa brothers. Here's Rothman and Ice. All right, we'll give you an update on the... uh, British Open. I always call it the British Open. The Open. The Open Championship. When I'm dunking on us. At St. Georgie. Royal St. Georgie, boy. Boy, that's a blind tee shots, uneven lies. Doesn't look fun. Lady humps, Mm. good shots being punished. (laughs) I don't root for any of that. I don't want any of that. I don't root for any of that. Good shots, getting unlucky. Bad shots, getting lucky. Yeah, man. Find yourself in one of those pot bunkers. Never cool. get out. Throw me a light. Send down a winch. Get me out of here. Yeah. Um, who knows whether it'll... You said the temps are good, but I we'll see that. if the winds... But it's the winds, buddy. Got some blue skies out the, there The coastal right now. winds. Uh, we'll, get, we'll give you the leaderboard at 1 o'clock. Uh, game last night was amazing. And it was one of those things where I was worried for the Bucks at at many times, um, mostly because of Devin Booker, and I got to the point in that game where it did come down to crunch time, and you know, well, how many points did Giannis have? Twenty six, I okay. believe. So, so, yeah, right, so twenty six. Yeah, the prop on him, the over under on him was thirty four and a half. So it came under. Who cares? The Bucks were favored by four and a half. The total was two twenty one. Bucks cash on the spread. They win by six, and the under cashes. 
So there was a huge amount of money I saw that came in on the over. Yeah. Um, one of the most heavily bet over games of the entire playoffs. And 90% of the money was on the over. So Vegas, Caesars, they cleaned up. Lights are still on. <laughs> and the under hit by nine. But 65% of the money on the spread was was on the Bucks. Actually, people were laying, laying the four and a half. So they won there. Um, Sun shot 29% from three in game three. That was their fourth worst in 19 playoff games. What did they shoot from three last night? Get the box score up for me. Not any better, my friend. They shot 30% okay, from so three last night. Right there. Um, games two and three, Giannis took five more free throws than the entire Suns team because Milwaukee was more aggressive. Do you have free throws? I've got 29 attempts for the Bucks. I've got 19 attempts yeah. for the Phoenix Suns. More free throws again. So um, there's, a, there's a, a theme to this. Now, the other theme is that it seemed like every time the Bucks cut into that thing, Devin Booker would hit a contested shot, he a contested fade. Man, he was, he was so good, yeah. so good. And then the one play where he was so good that was foiled by Giannis was the play of the game because the Bucks were up two at the time when Booker drives the lane and throws the perfect one-hand alley-oop to Ayton and... Giannis plays the perfect hedge. He he makes Booker at least hit pause to think about the oop. He makes him throw the oop, reverses, jumps into the block, and gets it all. Yep. Um, it was the play that saved the game. Yep. Maybe not saved. The Bucks could have still won. It would only been a tie game. Bucks would have had the ball. But to me, it's getting what it deserves today. It 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 it's getting what it deserves. It was one of the greatest plays in the finals in a long time. Uh, my Booker twelve to one MVP that I mentioned yesterday it's looking all right right now because we, we both talked the only way he gets that if CP three flames and look what happened and shout out to Coach Bud because you saw the adjustment that he made and that was hey I got a first team all defender out here that can pick up ninety plus feet and we're gonna try to make life hard for Chris Paul and that absolutely happened and the theme song for Chris Paul last night was this. Had him in handcuffs, AR. Had him in handcuffs. Shout out to Drew Holiday because we talked about him early in the series, right? How important he is defensively, we all know, but offensively, he's got to bring it as well. Now, look, last night, 4 of 20, 13 points, not the sexiest line offensively, but his presence defensively against one of the all-time great point guards and to have Chris Paul turn the ball over the way that he did in that game Drew Holiday deserves his flowers this morning man because CP3's got 15 turnovers in his last three games in this series and I think he's wearing him down I think they are wearing him down because you look at the point totals for Chris Paul they're not going in the right direction so I just wanted to highlight Drew Holiday because kind of dunked on him early in this series, talking about he's got to be much better offensively. And he showed up last night in such an important role because the other pieces of the big three for Phoenix, Aiton and CP3, obviously not good games. And you have to have that resistance against Chris Paul to slow down their offense. You can't let him maneuver into the paint and do all the mid-range stuff that he loves to do and distribute the ball around like he likes to do. And I thought Drew Holiday was a big part of that last night. Interesting you say, I'm glad you brought that up because it didn't hit me that way last night. I thought Holiday was horrendous offensively in the fourth quarter. He couldn't finish at the rim. And it looked like he was missing everything you put up. But I'm glad you mentioned it because I did look at a couple things. 
He did get a huge offensive rebound off of Middleton miss in the final couple minutes. Now, Middleton wound up missing again, but the Suns were still with the ball. The Suns had the ball down two with 35 seconds, and Chris Paul has the ball. Now, I'm glad you mentioned Holiday because he crossed Holiday. He crossed over on Holiday, and then he had to go around Aiton, and he tried to cross Giannis for a drive, and that's when he lost the ball. I guess I didn't give credit to Holiday for that, but... There were times where he did show up, for sure, uh, and they had to defensively. You know what, Maddie? What I thought was a was a a really bad move by the Suns. What's that? I thought Bridges was very poor defensively in the final two minutes of that game. I thought he lost leverage a lot. He was he he overplayed high picks. Middleton got leverage on him to get into the middle right side of the lane when he hit that that shot. Um, well, Middleton was great in the last couple minutes. Scored him, outscored him he, he, ten to four he, he, by himself, and one of those Mikel was right in his face, and it was just you got to tip your cap on one of those. That's why Chris Middleton has the contract that he yeah. has because he is built like yeah. that. It's just been inconsistent. That's why people have their issues with his game. But you saw when he's rolling, man. Yeah, it's almost nothing you can do. Suns are up two with two and a half to go. By the way, Connaughton hit a big three before that. I, I should point and that a out. Great pass by yeah. Giannis into yeah. the corner, right? There. Very good, but. Suns have that game. So like they're up three with five to go. They're up two with two thirty to go. They feel like that can still be their game. And uh, Middleton became a star at the end of the game outside of Giannis's block, which was certainly the play of the night. Uh, we'll talk a little more about it. One more quick yeah. thing. Great job by yeah. Milwaukee. Second chance opportunities. Yeah. Seventeen offense well, rebounds was, to Phoenix is yeah. five. I mean, just a great team effort on that end. Uh, we'll talk more about it as we move forward. Who do we believe in now? Because we both had the Suns in seven. Are we sticking with it? And we'll update the British Open. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Feel unappreciated? Things not working out the way you imagined? Bad news. Sometimes life sucks. Good news. We don't. The fan. Ohio's sports destination. Insightful and thought-provoking sports conversation for your lunch hour. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Second hour, Rothman and Ice. We are presented by your local Pella Window and Door showroom on Gemini Parkway. Anthony Roth and Matty Ice Hayes and CB in his saddle. Uh, mentioned some of the uh, money that moved last night on the NBA Finals and the fact that uh, Booker was the was listed as MVP at 12 to 1. CP3 was the favorite going into last night. Uh, I have Giannis at 4.5 to 1. And certainly I mentioned yesterday that a taste on Booker coming off a loss was smart to take because if the Suns still win the series. He could still win MVP despite having a struggling game in game three. And now that CP3 had the game that he had, mm-hmm. and I'm not, he would, you and I predicted this that for Booker to win MVP, Suns win the series, and CP3 would have to really be average. Like he was best. last night. Because they're going to want to give it to him. Yeah. So if he gives them reason reasonable reason to give it to him, then yeah. then he'll get it. If the Bucks win the series, I don't see anybody getting it but Giannis, but now I'm starting to... Um, and by the way, Middleton was so good last night, it made me think, like, well, maybe Middleton could win it, but with what Giannis did with the block was amazing. Can and I it, hate on the block for a second? Yeah, please do, because... Because I've been seeing all the hype today, mm-hmm. and, and it was fine to me. I, I guess the reason why I'm not all rah-rah mm-hmm. about it is because Aiton wasn't going to do anything with it anyway. If you look with the balls in his fingertips, he's not doing anything with that ball. It's great timing, and Giannis is in the right spot. Mm-hmm. But to me, it wasn't one of the best blocks I've ever seen. I think the moment 
is getting people to be so excited about it. But if you go back and watch it, Aiton doesn't have the ball in his hands hardly at all. So I don't think he's blo- he blocked a, a dunk or anything mm. like that. I think the ball was up there loose and he just kind of finessed it out of it. That's just my take on it. It was a good play, mm-hmm. but I don't. I'm not, I can't get to what I'm seeing today. We're one of the best defensive. Yeah. Like, no, I, I can't get there. I thought it was the perfect hedge. I thought it was enough to give Booker a pause. Yeah, I agree. and then to spin back and go. Uh, I've seen a lot of big men sell out to mm-hmm. stop ball. And then when Booker made that incredible one-handed oop, most big men would be like, I'm beaten. It's it's done. Right. I What I loved about it is you're right that luckily the oop was a little extended before Aiton took off. Yeah. So where, the, where, where Giannis had to block it, it was off the window. Yeah. So I don't know if Aiton grabs and, and flushes. Yeah. But until you said it, I thought that he would probably have a shot at it. I think you're underselling the fact that he blocked it without fouling him because when you come back and reverse and you know you're probably beaten, you're trying to prevent that basket any way you can. And the fact that he was able to go up into his hands and get ball and then bounce it off the window, I thought was I thought the whole play itself was incredibly athletic. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many guys could do it Not or, a lot. or want to do it. Right, right. Because, like I said, most of the guys would sell out. You're either hedging, you're either letting Booker go down that right side of the lane because your man is behind you and that's not your job. But the way that Giannis was able to have one foot in stop ball mm-hmm. and then having the want to and the wherewithal to know that he's beaten and to go back and rescue it, I thought in that time, I thought it was great. I, I really did. I, I'm I'm in the camp of that. While I I won't put it down as one of, I won't put it in quite in the LeBron category. But if Milwaukee winds up winning the series, it's a huge moment. It becomes folklorish no in a way. Question. Right. I, I'm not taking anything away from that. I, I'm with you on everything you said there. I, I j- it just didn't hit me that what I saw last night was one of the best defensive plays I've seen throughout the association's history. I'll tell you one thing that I did like from Devin Booker, and I know he had a monster game, but we highlighted it coming out of Game 3, was why is he taking so many three-point shots? Now, maybe that was credit to Milwaukee, but in Game 3, he threw up 14 of those things. Last night, he only put up three, and he got back to being Devin Booker. And you saw early on, mm-hmm. first couple mid-range. buckets right away, mid-range, yeah. floater. I mean, that's who Devin Booker is. So now that I think he's found his game, which is going to be tough against a team that really is so good defensively, how consistent is he going to be going back to the crib? And I think we will see that. I don't think we'll see another bad Chris Paul game to this level. These are rare, rare, rare deals that you get from Chris Paul where he's turned it over the rock five times and especially the way he has over the last game or two. So I definitely think he's going to clean that up. My confidence is still with mm. Phoenix. It really is. I, I picked the Suns in seven. I think for right now. Uh, every both teams have done what you're supposed to do. They've held down home court, and now somebody's got to steal one. And who's going to be that team? I think Phoenix can come back to Milwaukee and get it done, possibly in six. I have more confidence in them than I do Milwaukee going on the road because I still don't trust Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday to do what they do at home out there in the desert. I'm leaning that way. I'm I'm not going to abandon the Suns based on what happened the last two games. However, I felt that this could happen. 
For sure. Like, I wasn't in the sweet mode no. the way everybody was. I thought that the guys could chill off a little bit. They could get chilly shooting the ball. I don't. I think people were underselling Milwaukee's home court advantage a lot. It was rocking. With the way... Now, the Suns are incredible, and I love their home court advantage, and now they're in great position. But it does bring a lot of pressure on the Suns now to have to win game five. <clears throat> because I don't know... I, don't, I doubt they bring it back for seven. I don't think this team... And then Milwaukee wins this. You've got a reverse sweep going on, and that would be unbelievable to think about based on the, how, how the Suns played in the first two. You and I were both in the Suns camp in seven. I'm going to stay there based on home court and them having two on their home floor. But you're right. I mean, Booker picked up his fifth foul on a shoulder box out on Tucker on the baseline. Uh, the crew on the game thought it was not a foul. I, I thought they both got to the spot at the same time, but Booker used the shoulder. And so I think that's why it was a foul, and I think that's what the crew missed. The timing of it was was that they both got to that spot, and then when Booker edges him out with the shoulder, he gets the foul call. The other uh, bad call, or bad non-call, was when the Bucks score on that breakout, and Booker, who's got five for some reason, tries to wrap... Was it Holiday? Yeah, wrapped Holiday, got all ball, but wrapped him with the body, and they didn't call it. I think Giannis wound up following it up anyway, and they scored on the break. But Booker got caught up, I guess, just in the in the heat of the game trying mm-hmm. to prevent a hoop. Yeah. It was weird on all accounts. DeAndre Ayton's got to be better. He's got to be better as well because he is the third part. And last night, you got it from top to bottom as far as the big three goes for Milwaukee. All three of those guys stepped up. And that showed you Giannis doesn't have to be the dude every single night. Giannis has been great the last couple games. Phenomenal. And, and even this stat line. You know how many dudes would kill to have this stat line that Giannis had last mm-hmm. night? 26-14-8. It's a monster game. But we're coming off of him throwing up a couple 40-point games. But 40 points from Middleton. And even if you want to combine what Brooke Lopez and Holiday did together, they got a consistent effort from everyone. And then you look at Guys like Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton, seven points, six points. If they're playing 30-plus minutes a game, 25-plus minutes a game, they've got to be able to contribute. Now, this may just go back to, hey, guys not being on the home floor. We see this in the playoffs all the time where role players and secondary players in the starting lineup, they get back home, they get back out to the valley, and they feel a lot better, and they're going to come out shooting the ball at a higher clip. But the one thing I am noticing they are is – Milwaukee says, okay, we know where your two best players want to get. They're mid-range masters, talking about Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Until you show us that you can make threes consistently, we're not coming out there that much. Jay Crowder, Mikel Mm -hmm. Bridges, you guys shoot all of those, and until you knock them down, we're going to be able to pack the paint a little bit, and I think Mm -hmm. that's why I was so impressed with what Booker did last night because, man, I mean, whether it was P.J. Tucker or Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton, he was making very, very tough shots last night, and I think that should be the continued game plan for Milwaukee is, look, man, you guys can't go out there and make threes. Have at it, because you are not coming in here and doing what you do best. couple things there, which I agree with, that, you know, what's impressive about Booker is also that he had to sit again. And then when he came back in, yeah. he took over a game. Giannis... And I know that you're not in the camp of let's throw a parade for the block, but Giannis also, when they were looking like they were going to lose the game, wound up stealing that inbounds and taking it coast to coast and slam. Like he's, he's had moments 
And they were down five. He we're cut down, it to three, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, good, good memory. Yeah, it was about seven and a half to go, 7.45 to go. Um, and so Giannis started to have these moments in the game. What's interesting to me is the 42 and 10, which is Booker with 42 and Paul with 10. It yeah. was almost prophetic yesterday, our conversation about, should we grab a taste of Booker at 12 to 1? <laughs> right. Because if Booker somehow, if they win the next two games, or even if they win it in seven, yeah. and Booker continues to put up these kinds of points, mm-hmm. I don't know how you can deny him the MVP. Yeah, I, and even if you want to give a lifetime achievement award to Chris Paul, yeah. you may not be able to. That 12 to 1 that we took a taste of yesterday, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that disappeared today. I no imagine. doubt it did. I'll check it later. No doubt it did. Yeah. And we were talking about free throws, right? The last couple games in yeah. this series. I want to go back to DeAndre Aiden. He can't yeah. play 39 minutes and not have a single free throw attempt as a big man. That can't happen. Yeah. You got to be down there trying to punish Lopez or maybe not punish him, but at least get him in foul trouble. Only got up nine shot attempts, which isn't the worst thing when you've got Booker and Chris Paul. But DeAndre Aiden has to insert himself in these next couple games as a physical presence. I mean, he's got, cause he can knock him down. He, he's pretty yeah. good at doing that mid range. He showed that as well. He can't walk away from a game not getting to the stripe. That, that's, yeah. that can't happen. Would you like me? Do you agree with me that you would rather had when, when the, when in the fourth quarter, when it was a bricklayer's delight and it seemed like no one could make a hoop yeah. up to the last three minutes? Wouldn't you have wanted Cam Johnson in there instead of Bridges? And I know you're not in my camp of that Bridges got outplayed at the end defensively. I thought he overplayed high picks. And even though you're right, he 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 reversed and got in Middleton's face on the mid-range. But, but Middleton got to his spot because I didn't think Bridges was playing very well defensively. They took out Cam Johnson for Bridges, and I, I think that bit him. Bridges is an elite defender. In those moments, he probably wasn't his best. But I think Monty's probably looking at that saying, okay, well... If I want Mikel out there, do I want to take the vet and Jay Crowder off the floor? Who can throw his body at Giannis and do some of those things? So I think it's a little give and take. Like Cam can do a little bit of both. He's been fine offensively, defensively. I think he's going to be a good player. And you see some of the assignments he draws where he's guarding Middleton and those guys. But yeah, I'm a Mikel Bridges guy. I've been high on Mikel Bridges since Villanova. I love his 3 and D skill set. But I think... I- I'm not taking Jay Crowder off the floor that's played in finals games and know what these moments are about to insert Cam Johnson, even though I really like his game, too. All right, let me wrap it up with my Giannis quiz kid. Okay. You'll be a big hit with your friends kind of situation when I throw this out there. The Greek freak. Um, 500 points, 200 rebounds, 100-plus assists in a single playoff. Give it to me again. There have been one, two, three, four, five, six dudes that have had 500 points, 200 boards, and 100 assists in a single postseason. Shaq? No. Kareem? Shaq. I got to get the rebounds. That's where my mind is at. Not the points. It's the boards that's getting me tricked up. So let's I, let's go ahead. If you can, Giannis is one of them. Okay, correct. So now you've got to name the other five. No Shaq, no Kareem. Wilt? No. 200 rebounds in playoffs. Mm-hmm. Six guys if, for five hundred guys other than Giannis. Correct, and believe me, you could doubt me a little bit on this, but I'm I'm straight from Google. Yeah, Wikipedia. Yes. Um, I don't know. Give me the list. Six, five other dudes. Le- Who you got? LeBron multiple. LeBron's had multiple. Okay. Bird oh, twice. Shout out to Larry, man. Giannis, I mentioned. Yeah. Tim Duncan. Okay, the big and, fundamental. And Sir Charles. Not a role model. Yeah. I like to go. eat donuts. All right, it's a good list, right. man. We'll, uh, and I can't wait. When is game five? Saturday, Okay, so we go Saturday, Tuesday. 
now for yeah. sure. And then when would Game Seven be if there is one? Oh, God, would be back in we need it. We Saturday need it. night. Would they have another big? Oh, would they go Wednesday? Through, would they have three days night. off between going back from Milwaukee? It looks like this seven? thing would go Saturday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday. Oh, they on the schedule. Two days in between. Yeah, that makes sense. Right here. Yeah, but aren't they in Milwaukee? Wouldn't they be in Milwaukee Phoenix? on Tuesday? They're in, they're yes. in Phoenix on oh, that's Sunday. A good point. Phoenix would Saturday. host Game Seven, two, Thursday, July twenty second. But they'd crazy? fly back from from Milwaukee. Am they'd I getting my days mixed up? Phoenix next game. Phoenix on Saturday. Milwaukee, Milwaukee on Tuesday. Milwaukee on Tuesday. And then Game Seven looks like it'd be scheduled for the so they would yeah, Thursday. One day arrest. So they would yeah. leave right after the game. Mm-hmm. And then have buckle up, baby. Game seven. Jet lag and one day off. Here between, we go. See that? I would rather have more hype. Let them get fully rested. It's been a fun series so far, though. This is what we Let's predicted that seven. these two teams would get after like this, yeah. and they absolutely are. Uh, we'll come back. Little uh, MVP talk in another sport. Rothman and Ice on the fan. The offseason is a myth. Serving you 24 hours a day, seven days a week to feed your sports addiction. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. If you're tired of hearing about Maddie's high school baseball prowess, just wait five seconds until Anthony tells stories about his amateur tennis days. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back, Rothman and Ice. British Open style. Good thing about this on Sunday when you wake up and you watch the final round of the British Open, then you can go play 18 at like 1230. Right. Right. And you're going to get up early, yeah. be able to watch it, and then get all energized to go play. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen in the house with a 64, 664. Jordan Spieth, and he loves it over there. Minus five, one back. Um, some other names. The dude that we mentioned yesterday, the big favorite, John Rahm, plus one. So, not that he's shot himself out of this, yeah. but certainly he's not being mentioned among the leaders, and they could run away from him a little bit. And Rory's plus one, and every, a lot of people like Rory this week. But like I said, it's a it's a quirky tournament. It's a quirk. I'll, let me change that quirky venue, but it, it's all kind of quirky over there. Like I said, with you know, because if you do get into trouble over there, it can lead to big numbers. This isn't just dudes saving par on the PGA Tour that get in trouble, get around the greens. All the greens have, you know, seems like elephants buried under them, and it's it's crazy. And so, you know, you can hit a really good shot and not get rewarded. You can hit a bad shot and get lucky. That's what it's about. Lynx golf, you get the wins off the coast. So it's a fun tournament to watch, that's for sure. Give me the elephant yeah. line again. Never heard that. I like that. What is that? Just mean you're going up and down, just yeah, okay. Like the, like it look, it looks like there are dead elephants buried under the green. Never heard that. I like that. Yeah. That was cool. And look how they all just flow in different ways, and you get into one of those pot bunks. If you were going to, if you're the kind of dude that plays some emotional golf, that can get hot, a club thrower, Scotty Vegas, I, I would, I would not recommend <laughs> going over there. Like I could imagine leaving, going out with fourteen clubs and coming back with about eleven, <laughs> snapping three, <Yeah>. of them. <laughs> putting with my hybrid. What happened to your putter? Don't know. Right, it's gone. Like, look at. Oh, I mean, yeah. look at that. Yeah. Can't you even know. see my man's ankles looking no. worry right now. Right, fields of gold. Yeah, awful. Yeah, just garbage. And then you know the the huge divots that come off the clubs that fly. Look at that. Yeah, it's amazing. 
That shot's silly. So looks like Rory saved himself on that hole. But that's it. That's what's going on. You want? You need any updates on any other names? Where's BK at? You know that's my guy, Deshambo. Yeah, your guy, Deshambo is uh, plus one, (laughs) and your guy Brooks is minus one. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) There you go, Bryson. Take that with you. Oh my goodness. Oh, that feud. What did he say it, the other it, day? He said that it started because he, like, Brooks mentioned slow play, right? CB talked about the slow play. And then I guess they hashed it out a little bit. And then was it Bryson that thought that Brooks was kind of alluding to it still? And, but didn't mention him by name, but still was alluding to it. And basically and, told him to come say it to his face. Mm. Yes, and Bryson said, okay, mm. enough with this passive stuff at press conferences. I thought we had buried the hatch. We put this thing to bed. Why do you keep bringing it up? And then he dropped the come say it to my face line, which he was entitled to say. <laughs> and that's when this thing, because that's what we really needed, was like a somebody throw a quick fist in a locker room. <laughs> oh, that's good. what we, yeah, Now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're talking. But didn't I see Brooks say that he thought Bryson broke some type of agreement. That's what I th- I thought it was the had. other way. Because the way I took it was yeah. Brooks was saying, hey, we yep. had a conversation. This is where we're going to go with this thing. If we're going to push it forward even more. And Bryson did something that's now open. All right. I'm going to do something. <laughs> that's open up this can of worms for Brooks. And yeah. Brooks is like, all right, hey, you broke our promise. And if that's how you want to roll, let the games begin. As Bane said, I think that was Bane. Yeah, it was Bane, yeah. right? I think it was. Yeah. One of those Batman. The uh, I just read in the this British tabloid their headline was beef sandwich. Brooks and Bryson bring their bitter feud to Kent. That's what we need. Nice beef sandwich. I saw. You know, we were talking Wimbledon the other day. Well done. Glad you said Wimbledon. I uh, we were talking about the strawberry. Wimbledon. (laughs) We were were talking about the strawberries and the cream. Right? Is is that strawberries and cream? That's their thing. And I was watching some of the stuff last night on on the Golf Channel here. And apparently, I guess ham sandwich and mustard is the thing out there. They were highlighting something out there that must be a popular thing out there. A little rye bread. Get you some. I like that. Get you some ham and some spicy mustard. It looked good. I I didn't know if that was the popular thing here at this tournament what do we get at the masters the egg was it egg sandwich or what's at the masters yeah, the pimento that's cheese what's sandwich. okay that's yeah. what's out there okay yeah didn't know if that was a thing out there look good though maybe hungry last night i ain't gonna lie that's solid yeah my goodness yeah. get some of that I had that as know. a kid oh it's yeah. kind of that sugar crusted kind of brown Those sugar kind crusted of bologna ham. too right oh i love bologna as a kid you talk a fried yellow bologna. mustard Fried bologna sandwiches, your boy used to house. Mm. Take the bologna right out of the pack. You slit the ends there so it doesn't curl up too much on you. You put that in the pan. Mm. Got some nice little flat hot dog. Maddie can bring them to bacon. Oh, my goodness. Fry it up in the pan. AR, you get you a nice king Hawaiian roll right there. Caramelize some onions with some mustard. You can thank me later. You can thank me later. What about the uh, toasted salami and cheese sandwich? That sounds good too. Yeah. I can get down with some salami. My brother and I used to fight over that all oh the time. Oh my goodness! Took the last right, this or that. Now here's where him. I'm at with this thing with salami and my lunch meats and all that stuff. I need it as thin as possible. Rashawn Salam. <laughs> I need it as thin as possible. How do you feel about that? With their like salami and bologna. No, I like a little, no, I like a little bit. Yeah, okay, middle Medium. of the road. Not on the right, not on the left, but the right in the middle. <laughs> I would like that. Okay, yeah. I got you. All right, look at that. I got you. Lunch meats. Mm. Right here on Rothman and Ice. We've got Cam Meller on board, college football reporter for the Pro Football Network 365. He will jump on next, and we'll examine this season with him. Rothman and Ice in the fan. (laughs) 
There's only one way to start your day, and that's with the soothing tones of morning juice. Soothing. Weekday mornings at 6. The Fan. Smarter than your average sports show. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Inching closer to college football season. And our man with a plan is Cam Meller, senior creative director, Pro Football Network, PFN 365. He is on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. Cam, welcome back. I appreciate you having me. Uh, yeah. Talking college football in July always gets me going. No doubt, especially here in Seabus. Glad you're aboard. Uh, last time we saw our three guys, C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller III, and Kyle McCord was in the spring game. Um, I think most Buckeye fans feel he's maybe the best athlete of the three, although they, they all can move. Um, Stroud had a couple touchdowns in that spring game. Uh, Miller, big kid, strong arm, 6'3". He can run the read option as well. Uh, McCord, the true freshman, I loved his footwork in the pocket in the spring game. He could dance outside. He could throw on the run. Uh, is this a race in your mind for fall camp? Uh, I would like to say yes, but I also like to always err on the side of caution and then ultimately err on the side of the Las Vegas odds. <laughs> They're always smarter than we are, and there's a reason they never really truly lose. And so when they have him penciled in as a Heisman favorite or on the shortlist for the Heisman, C.J. Stroud, that is, uh, who am I to say that C.J. Stroud is not going to win the battle of Vegas is already pen- penciling him in as a starter. So that's sort of where I lean. I lean that, yeah, it could be interesting come uh, the first couple weeks of August here, but I-, I would ultimately side with Vegas and side with Stroud just based on the limited action we've seen. Cam, I want to hit you up on a guy that maybe not a lot of people are aware of right now, but a name they probably will be aware of once we get into the thick of things and start getting towards draft season. A name I've been seeing pop up everywhere now when we start previewing the college football season. Talk to us about Malik Willis out of Liberty. Who is this guy and why is everybody so high on what he can be? Uh, and there's a reason he was at Auburn for a couple of years before going to Liberty. Sure, he couldn't beat out a couple of guys that are still there, namely the guy who I had number 99 on my quarterback rankings in Bo Nix, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Malik Willis, what sets him apart in college football, in my opinion, is the fact that Hugh Freeze and that Liberty offense is not going to call off the dogs. So this is a kid that Freeze knows that he's got a Heisman candidate at quarterback, and if they're up big on their lesser competition schedule this year, don't, don't – uh, don't expect the dogs to be called off and expect Willis to possibly run for a, a thousand and maybe even throw for 3000 and sort of have one of those marquee seasons to get a guy like, uh, you know, a Liberty quarterback in the Heisman race. He's talented, does it all. He's an incredible athlete with the football in his hands, maybe the best in college football. Uh, Cam Meller with us talking college football. We know this isn't going to come for a little bit here, but uh, the college football playoff expansion, um, it doesn't sound complicated, but I think we know it could be. Um, do you think that they will land on something that, that will please many? <laughs> I think if we've learned in any sort of reconstruction of the playoff or the national championship in, uh, in recent history, you're never going to please everybody. You're never even going to please the vast majority, it seems like, at this point. It should be as simple as your top five Power Five conferences get a champion in, get a top group of five conference champion in there, and then throw in two extra wild cards. Uh, to appease the Notre Dames of the world just so they can get boat raced again, in my opinion. Um, glad I'm not in Indiana at the time I just said that. Uh, no, I, I think it should be easy. It should uh, get as many teams in there as, as you think necessary. But honestly, you know, the, the, the strength will weed themselves out. 
you know, here in our neck of the woods, obviously the Buckeyes are the main focus for a ton of people, but because of Luke Fickle roaming the sidelines down there at Cincinnati, people people keep one eye on what the Bearcats do week in and week out. I am a huge fan of their quarterback, Desmond Ritter. I've liked what I've seen from him the last couple of years, and I think this could be a year where he really gets on the map nationally. Your thoughts on Cincinnati's quarterback? I love Ritter. I love his game. I love uh, the ability that he's been able to showcase his developmental ability since he started um, down in Cincinnati. You know, he, he leads the returning quarterbacks, and he's up there with returning running backs and yards per carry, yards per attempt, I guess, for quarterbacks is a better way to say that. I think he needs to improve his downfield passing ability if he wants to be the next, you know, the, the next group of five quarterbacks to make the lead to the NFL successfully. I think he's got amazing accuracy to the short and intermediate field. And I think his middle of the field reads are among the best in the country. But, you know, work on finding the next read, finding the next target, uh, and work on that arm strength out, you know, outside the numbers from inside the pocket. I think that's where, you know, the next developmental step for him is becoming a a true passer as as opposed to a thrower. I said to Maddie a while back that that Georgia-Clemson game to start things off on September 4th. um, Where are they, by the way, where are they playing? That's a neutral site, is it not? thought it I think it's I a believe, neutral. Is it yeah, a, I believe it's one of those uh, kickoff kickoff challenges yeah, that probably sides right. with uh, Georgia being a de facto home game. Yep. Yeah. All right. So neutral site, but you know Georgia. I said this to him that Georgia, if they lose that game, they have the resume. I think to get back into it. Whereas if Clemson were to lose the game, I I think that that's almost like a a nail in the coffin, unless. They just roll everybody else, and and then the Georgia game will be will looked at as almost be ancient history when you get to like December, and you're talking about a loss in early September. But I was kind of uh, you know it was debated whether I'm right on that that maybe that that Clemson would have plenty of time to just roll people and get back in, and it might be more costly to Georgia. Where do you stand? I completely agree with you. In that regard, I think you look at this and it'll be back. Uh, you can almost take it as the Auburn-Oregon game to start the year a couple of years ago where Auburn, you know, wins, but Oregon loses. And it's like, well, they had their one good test. Then they, yes, they beat everybody else in the Pac-12, but they lost their one good test. If Clemson loses their one good test and has an asterisk next to their name, you know, finishing 12-1 and one after beating everybody in the ACC, it's still they lost to an SEC school. Mm-hmm. Whereas Georgia can say, you know, we're still getting adjusted to it. It's JT Daniels' fifth start. Um, you know, we had all these transfer players in the secondary. I think Georgia is the ta- more talented team, and that's probably a shock. I just think with the influx of, of talent that they have and JT Daniels playing the way he did down the stretch for them, I think they have the better quarterback as of right now, and I think they have the better secondary and defense. So I really think Georgia can sort of kick off a season in a college football playoff run with a, with a demanding or a commanding victory over Clemson this year. You know, there's feels to me that there's a lot of buzz and noise around Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler and Coach Riley out there and what down there and what they're going to be able to do. How you feeling about Brock Purdy in Iowa State? Is that going to be a team that can present some problems for the Sooners? Uh, historically, they have been able to with Brock at, at quarterback too. So, uh, what a two point conversion throw away from upsetting Oklahoma as well. Purdy is in his career, so. I can't quit Brock Purdy. I still think he's maybe the most rawly talented quarterback in the country from an intangible standpoint. I think uh, he's got the nastiest shimmy of any defender since Lamar Jackson. It was that TCU linebacker that he just did a no-look hesitation and ran, you know, walked into the end zone. He's an underrated athlete with the ball in his hands, too. I love Purdy's game. 
getting rid of the turnovers and throwing his receivers open because he needs some help on the receiving end. But I think, honestly, this is a kid that, yes, he can absolutely be the big, the big 12's best quarterback among the nation's best quarterbacks. And Iowa State under Matt Campbell is going to be built perfectly to, uh, to beat big, you know, big 12 competition in Oklahoma. You feel like there's a, a clear-cut second-best team in the Big Ten, or is it just kind of like that, that mixture of, I don't know, Indiana, Wisconsin, potentially Iowa, Northwestern, like Penn State? Or do you think there is something that, that feels like, is it a drop-off right after Ohio State, or is there, is there a clear-cut contender there? I think, I think there's a massive drop-off yeah. after Ohio State. I'm not certain if it's, there's a bigger one than any other conference this year. Um, to be honest, or in recent memory, I think – you know, this is uh, it's going to be Ohio State's conference to win or to lose this year. I do think you know you you know what you're going to get with those teams with in Indiana with a wild card of Michael Penix at quarterback and whether he stays healthy all year. I think that that might be the best team I love or the second best team I love. What Tom Allen's doing out there, um, and you know you're going to get Wisconsin. It's going to grind it out, but you also have Graham Mertz who has shown the penchant for throwing multiple interceptions in a game. So you you never really know. There's holes across every team um, in the Big Ten except maybe for. OSU as long as we get a proven quarterback. Staying right there with the Buckeyes, big game for them in the second week of the year with Oregon. That should be absolutely tremendous. What's your thoughts on what the Ducks are going to be bringing to the table against uh, these Buckeyes? A very talented defense, so I think it really puts forth the the impact on on whatever quarterback we see trotting out on the field. If it's Stroud, you got to see him bring a, a lights-out game because Yes, I know that Oregon's lost a bunch of talent on the defensive side of the ball, but with Kayvon Thibodeau rushing the passer, you've got to have great pass protection. With Noah Sewell and Justin Flo out there at linebacker, you have to have guys that create on their own out of the backfield. And then with Mikhail Wright, a guy who I think will be a first-round cornerback, you know, and better than even the Diamondor Lenore or Jalon Holland uh, of this past year's draft class at corner, you got to have, you know, you got to rely on Wilson or Olave on the outside to beat Mikhail Wright whenever he's in coverage. I think. Oregon's defense is their cornerstone this year, um, but unfortunately, we don't get a you know a top-notch quarterback at Oregon going against the Buckeyes because I'm not sold on Anthony Brown and I'm not really sold on much on that offense this year. Solid stuff with our friend Cam Meller. Check him out, ProFootballNetwork.com. Cam, good to have you, man. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me as always, guys. You got it. Cam was on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fangest Highline. We're going to hear that name, Kayvon Thibodeau, yeah. for a very long time leading up to the season, and he'll probably go on the NFL yeah. and be a baller. But I think the confidence that Ohio State's going to have is their offensive line and what they're going to be able to bring to the table, especially at the tackle position. I'm sure he'll have some pressures in that game. But, man, you got some veteran guys that have been around for a while that aren't going to back down from that challenge at all. No, and he'll be a, a targeted guy coming in that they know they got to take away. Yep. He's lived in the backfield the last couple of seasons. I think he's got more than 23 TFLs in the last couple of seasons. got a dozen career sacks, and um, him coming back and being ready to go is a, is a big boost yep. for Oregon, certainly. And they still won the Pac-12 with only going, what, 4-3 and three or whatever they mm-hmm. were. But it, it's... It's them and USC, right? I mean, that's that's USC's got yeah. Keaton Slovis. A lot of people like him, uh, you know, at that position, and they've always been at a pretty good recruiting level out there in USC land. So you got the quarterback, man. That it all starts there, and a lot of people think Slovis is going to be a dude. So they'll probably be in the mix. Yeah, he's he is good. All right, we'll come back. We'll do a Buckeye Bulletin. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you consider yourself a Buckeye fan, you've come to the right place. This is your heritage sports talker and home of Ohio State Athletics, the fan. Ohio sports destination. Rothman and Ice present 
Buckeye Bulletin. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Don't go through another air conditioner breakdown. For fast, friendly service, call the experts at Logan Services now for a free estimate and next day air installation. All right, Buckeye Bulletin time. CB, is this a new deal that the basketball tournament has a three-point contest, or have they always had one? This is the first time I've ever heard of it. So it looks like they're going to have a three-point contest August 1st at 2 o'clock. This will be on ESPN. And living up to their deal, it's a winner-take-all event. So it's, what, $33,333? Sounds pretty good And 33 cents. And Carmen's crew is sending... Their guy, the guy, Deeps. John Diebler, and his rebounder of choice mm. is going to be none other than Aaron Kraft. I think that's a tremendous choice because you got to be very crafty with that as well. Rhythm. You don't want a guy that's yeah. not quick on his feet mm. getting to the balls. You need a guy that's going to bounce around and do and do what you need at a quick rate. And I think Crafty's going to hold it down. Look, man, I don't know who the other competitors are in this joint. But we know what Diebler's bringing to the table, and that is lighting up that nylon, baby. Mm. Boy, that's nice. Winner take all as well. Could you imagine? He wins that. They hold up the trophy. Diebler's be sitting pretty, Mm. man. Nice little chunk of change for him right there. That's the way to go. No doubt, right? Uh, Is this a time? So it says the current world record is Eric McCollum 39 seconds. What is that all about? Yeah, so I think you have to get to 33 points. Basically, you have to hit okay. 11 three-pointers. Okay. Oh, it's so okay. There we go. All right. There now, we go. Now, now I'm in it. And that, okay. and that goes to Kraft. That's why I think it's a good selection. That makes it even better to me if... Now, CB, is this you get to use one basketball and he's got to retrieve that one basketball that you have to make 11 times? Is that what we're doing here? I would assume that's the case, yeah. but I don't have the details. Okay. All right. We'll have to wait and see on that. But I like that tandem there, that duo. McCollum's the Ohio... Another Ohio kid, right? CJ's brother. Is it? CJ's from Ohio. CJ McCollum's where, from Ohio. Where is he from, though, specifically? Is he a can- was he Canton? That sounds correct. This may be his brother. It has to be. If he, if he's if CJ is from Canton, then I do believe this It's his kid. brother from Canton, yes. There we go. And I love well, that he just, spells... Just connecting dots and... Spells his name with two R's. Now, that may be a typo, but I'm going to roll with it right now. Are you seeing E-R-R-I-C-K and all? Every, I love that. CB's giving me the thumbs up in it's, there. It's I'm the, in. It's a double R, man. I love that. Like Eric, like everybody Eric. in the club getting tipsy with Eric McCollum. <laughs> very proud of you. That's very nice. I am. Oh, my. Oh. Or, yeah. That'll be fun. This Error. is This is a uh, different spin on the three-point contest. And look, this Good is thing what. thing he didn't play baseball. <laughs> right, right. Right. Error, right. God, that'd be brutal. <laughs> but no, they brought some pretty cool stuff to the table, man, with the Elam ending and this type of stuff. And it, the Eric Elam ending. It, this has really grown, this tournament, and to have these guys suiting up. And we're getting games at the shot this year, I believe. Um, is that right, CB? A couple uh, games at the shot or the finals at the shot? What's going down at the shot? Am I crazy? I don't think it's the shot. I think it's at the Cavelli. Okay, okay. Right. I knew it was something going down over here, which is great as well. And you know, Buckeye fans are going to show up for that thing. And you know, middle of the summer, towards the end of the summer here, support their guys. It'll be fun. High level competition, yeah. too. All right. Good luck to Deebs. Yeah, man. 
What else you got for me? Sporting news. Sporting news. Starting to cook up some stuff here for the college football season. You know, we're going to get a lot of lists and rankings and all that stuff, which means football is right around the corner. And they throw out their coaching rankings, one through 130. (laughs) Our guy, Coach Day, coming in at number six. And I know there's been some other publications that have done this same thing. And he's been lower on some and all of that. But it's hard to push back. I think maybe on either side of it, it's you know based off of maybe potential or what guys have already done. Who knows what the formula is for all of this stuff? But yeah, I mean, I think that highly of Coach Day, and based off of what he's already done, I have no issue at all with him being right there. You got Jimbo coming in at five, Brian Kelly at four, Lincoln Riley, Dabo, and you know who at number one. We've had people. There's no question that Ryan Day stepped into a very good position. Mm-hmm. He also stepped into a very pressure cooker following Urban Meyer. So you got it both ways. You get a really great program to inherit, yeah. but you also have to live up to what the standards that he set for success. A lot of people, including me and you, I think, were waiting, were optimistic, mm-hmm. and we're going to be patient before anointing Ryan Day. Sure. as Because if, if you can agree, and I said this on the air, if you can agree that there aren't many Urban Meyers out there, then you can't say that it's a guarantee that the dude that follows him will be him. Right. right. But we've had people come on the program recently, including Tom Van Heron, mm-hmm. who said there are things he's doing better than Urban Meyer. Yeah, right, and when it comes to recruiting especially. Right. So he's got one of the best programs in the country. Yeah. I think he's appropriately appropriately ranked now after we've seen a couple playoff bursts and a title game later, mm-hmm. title game loss, but yeah. a title game sure. later, that... He's appropriately ranked. And look, we always, you know, that national championship will never be a good night for Buckeye Nation. But how about the getting off the mat against Clemson before that, right? Because you're you're coming out of that loss the year before and the heartbreak with the way that ended. And then you go down in New Orleans and you put it on them the way that you did. Obviously, that's kind of a secondary prize. You want the main one in the natty. But that's important, too. And that's that's, to me, a head coach getting his guys to rally and lock in on the task at hand and going after a squad that brought you some pain the year before. Talk about the pain. Right. And coming off a Big Ten title game where they looked bad. Yeah, right, right. So trying to get them to believe that not only could they exercise the demons and beat Trevor Lawrence, but it wasn't like they were dripping with confidence coming out of the Northwestern game. right, man. You're right. That's today's Buckeye Bulletin. And that's also a big part of coaching. No question, man. All right, we'll come back, top of the hour. We'll give you a Sports Center update. We'll get into a deep dive. uh, We'll revisit the NBA Finals. And we got a former Buckeye uh, in a in a story that's pretty awkward as well. I'll tell you about that next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for a deeper dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF slow price lock with U Drive. All right, rock and roll. We are in our third hour, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice-Hayes, and CB. Uh, Awkward story to talk about. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, alleged fight with his, I thought it was his fiance. She's been listed as his wife in some reports. Um, I Maybe you guys saw this, that he either got engaged or got married earlier this month. CB, do you know which one it was? I believe he was engaged earlier this month. All right, maybe they got married at the time. I don't know. Uh, or maybe they did get married in Vegas. I don't know. But 
it's being reported that he suffered injuries, including a knocked out tooth. And it's being reported as his wife, who allegedly hit him yeah. during an, uh, an argument in Vegas. And that's according to the cops, spelled out in the police report. And they were called to the Cosmopolitan on July 3rd. So holiday weekend, investigating claims that she had attacked him in their hotel room. Now, in the report, they say that Dwayne told them that the fight went down because his wife was upset after she had gone to the nightclub with friends without waiting for her and the rest of the group. Okay. Cops say Dwayne had a busted lip. He needed stitches and was missing a tooth. They described the injuries as substantial in nature. They also say the report that he would most certainly require dental work to repair it. Uh, Cops also say that his wife told them that she was not sure how he suffered the injury. So she's clearly denied that. Um, She was eventually arrested. And court records have shown that she's been since hit with a felony charge of battery. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, we just learned with the allegation against Richard Sherman constitutes domestic violence with substantial bodily harm. And she's due in court next month for a hearing in the case. Um, It's really confusing to a lot of us because they couldn't have been happier not long ago. Um, They had posted an engagement announcement, he did, with an incredible picture of the two of them in Vegas, her holding up this unbelievable ring and he got down on one knee at the vegas restaurant he gave her this huge ring and the police report the cops say the couple told them they had actually already gotten married in march after dating for over a year okay so there it is and they say they also told them that they were in vegas with friends and family this month to celebrate that commitment to each other okay so here's what i've learned in the social media world can't believe everything you see. And just because they had that moment and they're smiling on IG, not everything everybody throws out there on social media is exactly what's going on. And I'm not saying that mm-hmm. they weren't a happy couple or whatever, but you see people do a lot of things on social media and whether it's with money or cars or clothes or whatever, you got to take it with a grain of salt because they're showing you the highest moments of their life and maybe not what's a constant in their life. Here's what I'm fearful for when it comes to Dwayne Haskins now in his NFL career is that attached to his name is going to be it's always something. Now, whether it's his fault or not, we've had too many, in my opinion, situations now way too early in his career that people are going to look at and start to question, is it really worth it? And I'm not blaming him. I'm not placing blame on anybody in this situation. We don't know everything. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about the lead up to this in his NFL career. It hasn't been great. And we talked about it a lot, especially with what went down in Washington and everything that went down and the mistake he seemed to make last year during the pandemic with what? Going out to the strip club and, and all of that stuff. Taking pictures with fans before the game's over. Like, it's all documented. And he just has to be very, very careful now because I think his NFL life becomes more delicate day by day when you have stories like this that just are not good. And when you aren't out there 
balling out and throwing for 300 and three touchdowns, in my opinion, it's going to be hard for people to continue to bail you out as far as saying, yeah, bring him into our locker room. So I'm very worried about that because it's been too many hiccups right now. Not denying anything you've said. I I agree that. But what I will say is I think that's a shame that anything would be attached football-wise in his commitment to his team versus something like this. I'm not saying commitment to the team. I'm saying just bringing it in. And some coaches, do they want... We know coaches Mm -hmm. don't want this type of noise around their team. And and I'm not saying this is who he's going to be the rest of his Mm -hmm. career. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying right now, I don't know how strong the legs are for him to stand on around the league. I'm not going to deny that he's got some stuff going on in his personal life. And there certainly was some maturity as a professional that he had to go through and will still go through. My problem with any attaching anything of this to that is it appears he's the victim in this. No question. That this has nothing to do with him. In fact, you could almost make the case that he handled it as well as he possibly could when he told the security at the hotel, I've been hit. I want her out of my room. Yeah. Right. I want her out of my room. We got to be separated. Mm-hmm. We got we have to be. That's the so, thing to do. And and so and it's very tough when emotions are going no high. I mean, she's 23, he's 24. Yep. I'm not saying they're young, but they're not old. Right. And if they just got married and and something stupid happened where these groups had different interests on one of the nights they were there and they split up and somebody's uh feelings got hurt and not to wait to see him before they separated and she got upset and nothing. So all these and by the way, he he didn't didn't suffer injuries where um, you'd say that this would destroy a career. Yeah. But any jokes or anything that's been made about him losing a tooth or whatever, that's garbage. Domestic violence in any form is wrong. Yeah, get it out of here. Right. It's 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 and it's not it shouldn't have any place in this. Now I know I'm not naive to know that the world we live in, especially on social media, it's just faceless, nameless people mm-hmm. that can do whatever they want. And that's fine. You get a good laugh out of it, then that's how you're wired. But in this case, I, Maddie, I know exactly what you're saying. You never want to be the, boy, he's got a lot going on. We're just going to have to distance ourselves. That I agree with you there. But this specific incident could happen to anyone. 100%. Any couple that's been married 40 years or four months. The only reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's just another thing on the I, list. And some people may view it as it still involves him I, some way, I, I somehow. And that's the only reason why I bring that up. I'll say this, though. I think who his head coach is right now is the right guy for Dwayne Haskins and Mike Tomlin. I'm a believer in who Mike Tomlin is as a leader because, look, we talk so much about A.B. and Le'Veon and Big Ben and all the drama wrapped around that period of time. But what we did see, even when all that stuff was high flying around, was they were still a really good football team. So Mike Tallman, I think, can get to Dwayne Haskins as far as being a leader and being able to relate to him on certain things, but also who he is as a rah-rah guy. I can always support Mike Tomlin with that. Now, X and O stuff, sure, we can question some of the things he does, but he comes across to me as a dude that I would rally behind and a guy that Dwayne Haskins can learn from. 
So I'm hoping that Mike Tomlin is looking at this assignment as a head coach is something he really mm-hmm. wants to dig in on because we talked about the Wayne and the traits and the arm and everything. You you turn on the tape, you see it. Now somebody just got to get out of Dwayne consistency on on the field and then off the field, maybe also helping him with, hey, when you get in that situation the way you did this time, that's how you do it. But how can we avoid even getting into situations like that is what I'm hoping comes out of this for Dwayne because I think he is in a situation to where Big Ben's handing the keys over to somebody and he should really, really want to be that dude. And I'm sure in his heart, he absolutely wants that job. You're upset for him because if he does have a second act and he's on his way to having one of the a, a mentor as a quarterback in Ben and an organization behind him like the Steelers, yeah. who are highly motivated to get back to their brand mm-hmm. in a division that's being uh, almost taken over now by the Browns, perceptionally mm-hmm. and reality-wise from last year, then you're right. You just want to leave every distraction at the door, and this is just another one. But it's an important one because it's his wife. And there's nothing that, that that is more important than this, hopefully, in getting this right. Um, we saw how uh, Richard Sherman's wife reacted on the 911 call. She was scared. She was scared for him. She was scared for the family. Yeah. But said he's a good guy and this is out of character. Why that happened, we don't know. Whether you, you brought up, who knows, maybe he was drunk, we don't know. And and what drove that. But the bottom line is, is for Dwayne Haskins, it sounds like to me... If you if you didn't know anything about his football career, if we knew nothing about it, yeah, and he didn't play at Ohio State, and he's just a quarterback that came out of college, and we didn't know anything about him, and you read this story as as quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you read the story, and you didn't know anything else, you'd be like, wow, I feel really bad for mm-hmm. both of them, and especially him, no doubt. You would it would have nothing to do with anything else, nothing. It wouldn't it wouldn't go to immaturity, it wouldn't go to lack a uh, commitment, it wouldn't go to him being a problem. So I understand what you're saying, and we live in a world where perception is a reality, and, and if trouble follows you, even if it's through no fault of your own, that perception can start to have some ripple effects. So you're right, the organization he, he's with, they will, they will back him, they will hope he's okay, they will try to make sure he's in the right mindset, and then from a legal standpoint, um, your wife was arrested. Yeah. Domestic battery charge. Serious stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, as serious as it gets. No doubt. Yep. If she if she split his lip and knocked his tooth out. Yeah. And and who cares what led to it? Right. And and here's the the worst part. What led to it seems like it's so stupid that. But we we're all we're human, hey, and the motions get involved. And, and what I, were their ages? Twenty three and twenty four. And I'm not I, trying I said, to be old old man no. get off my lawn because I'm only a handful of years older than both of them. It, but my mentality and how I go about things has changed night and day from when I was that age. And when you get into a heated moment and you can control yourself more than what you do at that age. So he just got to learn. And I'm sure he's soaking all this in because he doesn't want this stuff attached to his name because he's trying to fight for his NFL. Like you get wrapped up in that bad tornado real quick and there's not a lot of places to go. Josh, ask Josh Rosen. He had it right there in the palm of his hands coming out, and it just hasn't clicked for him. And who knows if he'll ever be a legitimate starting quarterback in the league. And that's why I think this this period right here for Dwayne is so precious because he has an opportunity to really get off the mat. And like you said, get down with a brand that is so strong, an organization that always supports their guys. The victim here, it sounds like. And 
and whatever he may have done that she felt was unbecoming as a husband certainly didn't deserve this if this is what really happened. And so you feel for that. I'm sure he may be even more upset and embarrassed. But when you're a professional football player and you play that position and you're kind of a dude that came out with a chip on your shoulder that I was drafted too low and there were, Daniel Jones went ahead of me and I'm going to torch the I'm league. I'm good with that stuff. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is when you're that guy, it, it keeps you in the headlines. Mm-hmm. It keeps you... That's why these stories get more play. Team you play for, position you play for, and how your career has gone so far, yeah. that you're you're right. There are two roads, bust or not. And so you, what, I just feel bad that this has nothing to do with anything that would that lends you to believe that he had something to do with it other than they got into an argument that any couple can get into. I just so. don't want his off-the-field resume stuff, nonsense stuff on that side to be longer than the list of on-field accomplishments. And my fear right now is that the former is longer than the latter for him. So we got to get that on-the-field resume Mm -hmm. part a lot thicker than what it it, it, it is. And I think we're at a point now to where, hey, if he cleans it up, man, I think he can do that. The timing of this also is is. Weird from a perception standpoint that the the social media posts about how uh, the engagement and all that we just saw. I don't know when he put that out or the timing of it seems. Um, but this, like I said, this could happen to any couple who's been in love for 40 years or four months. You would hate for it to happen. It should never happen, but it does happen. And then you add the part about newlyweds, young couple, <laughs> Vegas, Vegas, stuff that's prioritizing that really shouldn't be, which is uh, we're going to this club, you're going to that club, we got our our wires crossed, and who cares about who and how, and you're going with your friend. Who knows? I'm making stuff Mm -hmm. up. But I'm just saying we can see how things happen, and when someone gets emotional and they're they're not equipped to handle it, this is what happens. But it sounds like from the the police report that Dwayne did everything he was supposed to do. And we need to continue to make that clear. I'm glad that we continue to do that. Right. He wanted to be separated. She obviously wasn't herself. She had done harm to him. Mm-hmm. The best thing to do is separate. You would never want to call the cops on your wife. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but this is it sounds like from what happened. So yep. um, and here we are. Yeah. And his name is in the news. Um, through no fault of his own, but his name is still in the news and it's not a, not football. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. Play some truth with CB, Rothman and Ice on the fan. There's nothing like waking up, turning on your radio, and hearing the ramblings of dummies. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend. Saturday morning at 10. The Fan. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB, hit us. Yeah, so yesterday we talked a little bit about the three-point field goals made in history at Ohio State. And I actually had to incorrect. David Lighty is 11th because there's a tie for 9th. But I wanted to ask you, it's pretty obvious who number one is, but can you name the top five because they have all happened within the 21st century? All right, so so three blur is is number one. That's the giveaway. Right, okay. yep. I feel we got to come up with how many more? Four. I feel really good about one. And before we lock it in, let me yeah, run this name by right, you. Right. Can we get our guy Buford on here? Willie B. Steven Willie B. There's something about um, Willie B's I game. I will endorse that 
I'll co-sign a Willie B. Okay. Willie B is number three. There we go. Beautiful. So now we need three more. Now, is this from like my year, like going back to the 90s, did you say? Like, can I throw This a- is all within, they have played at least in 2000 or later. Back in the 90s. So I, okay, so I'm leaving. So Doug Atzler and guys like, okay, are gone. All right. Diebler, Buford. So Diebler and Willie B. Okay. Uh, can Some I, other three. Yeah, go ahead. I want to throw out one more. And the only yeah. reason why I feel decent about this is because of his celebration that he did after his shot. And as a Baltimore guy myself, mm-hmm. I remember Cam Williams. Now, I, I don't know if he's a guy that's going to be up All there on time. the list. But he was a wow. three-to-the-head guy like Carmelo Anthony. So when he was doing that, I remember him doing that, which yeah. means he had to be some type of sniper. How you feeling about Cam you, with a K, by the way, which is amazing. So we've got w- number one, and we have number three. That is correct. So we need two, four, and five. All right, I'll say this. If Cam is on the list, he's five at best. I can't imagine he's higher than that. Uh... Cam Williams, boy! If you get this, I'll be impressed. This is all I've got. So left, I'm by going. The way. I'm going to go with. Then I think it's a couple guys I covered. Okay, but I'll go with Cam because my boy's feeling it. Okay, Cam is number five. Come okay, <laughs> okay. Like me, just remembered him doing that. That's really the only reason why I wrote that. That's incredible. Cam had 172 three pointers in his career. Four <laughs> behind number four. Okay, that's right, tough guy. All right. <laughs> Uh, Two more. Who are you feeling over there? I feel like a guy that I covered for a lot of years, and then he went to the NIT, and they won the NIT together with Costa, was Jamar Butler. I just feel like he's... Wow, that's I feel like he's got... I I just feel like of the three-point guys that I covered, I would say that Jamar is on that. I covered other dudes. I covered, like... Uh, may you rest in peace, Brent Darby, who I also, that was a name that I would throw on my list. Okay, okay. So I've got Butler and Darby, but I, I don't think both of them are on there. I would lean Butler. Let's roll with it. Jamar Butler. I'll give you a bonus because Butler's number two, Darby's tied for sixth with okay. uh, Scooney well, You're Penn. all over this right now. Okay, well, hey, I can't believe we're doing with this. Traveled with this team. Can't believe we're doing this well. One more for us. We got to get a hundred. Yep, you need today. number four. I need a sticker. You had one hundred and seventy-six. I need a sticker. I'm not I need look, a sticker I'm not on look, my test. I'm not today. looking it up. So if you hear me typing, I just want to see where this guy's from. And then if I get more. a, all right, I've got a guy in mind. It's got to be one of Thad's guys. I got a guy in mind. I don't know if I'm right. You, by the way, you gave us one because I may have guessed Scooney, but you're saying he's sixth. He's all tied right, for sixth. So that he gave us a freebie. Hold on. Yeah. I think I know. Sneaky, sneaky you gotta, guy. You got to dig deep for this. Sneaky I don't think guy. Dig too deep. That maybe hmm. we wanted a little bit more out of consistently. How you feeling about Doctor Love? Mark with a C, no K. Um. Well, let me ask you this: Is this where I was going? And this, and then I'll, I'll go with you on this if that's right because I do like that name. Because he played a lot of games early yes. on in his career. Yes. That he played in all the games. He was all around. Off the bench, microwave. Um, Let's go with Dr. Was Love. he, is is this guy an Ohio kid? It is. All right. So From that Toledo, Dr. Love. So Lock him in. Lock him in. Should I ask him if he's a Mr. Ohio? And then we'll, all, we'll go all in. Um, okay. We're actually going to go because, like I said, I'm going to co-sign this. And we're going to lock in Mark with a C loving. 
Mark Loving is number four. Then do it. Yes. Encourage me. Did we really just do that? I don't know. You did. I don't want to do anything else the rest of the day. No, I think we've our work is done here. Yeah, you guys can do the rest of the show. Quiz Kid, give me a couple now, stickers on my if, test today. If you would have said, if you wouldn't have given us the, the cutoff years of 2000 no and beyond, no I would have probably thrown Doug Etzler on there. Where is he? Doug is not on the He's top not? 10 list. He okay. only had 107, right. 107 in his career. Okay. And then his, his is it his, who's, who's, uh, who's the Etzler that's... Kalen's Kalen's the son. He's going to be a freshman this yes, year. Yes, that's right. Where's is Justin Orange anywhere in sight? Top fifteen? No, I don't see okay. him right now. No. I wonder if he can get in the top fifteen somehow. Terrence Trent, Brent Darby. Mm. My goodness. Can a brother get a? You're trip right. Back I'm kind of 90s. just kicked back now. All right, go ahead. CB. Give me one more. CB. My boy is a damn truth. Well, I do have a, a tell the truth on what was talked about at Big Twelve Media Days today because the commissioner of the officials discussed how the horns down penalties will be given out this year. If you're an opponent and you do horns down to a player, it's going to be a penalty. But if you do it to the crowd, no penalty. Is this soft or is this an okay rule? So you can taunt the fans but not the players. Essentially, yes. Okay. Like really. Who cares? Well, if taunting is still a a penalty, then I'm then I understand what this is about. I, I get it. I, I don't know. There are different levels of taunting. But, <laughs> yeah, very true. I mean, so I don't. Uh, I just I don't know, man. This stuff doesn't hit so home if, for me as far as a big issue. Like, you're so pl- if you're playing Texas, what you're saying is, as long as I go horns down to the crowd or anybody else, but as long as I don't do it to another player, it's all right. That's weak. He said probably not. It's weak. So sauce. we'll see. But, weak sauce. But can they do horn, Can they do the regular horns up to the other? And it's not <laughs> yes, a penalty. That's correct. Well, then I'm then I'm out. As Maddie says, then I'm out. Yeah, gotta if be. you're going to let them taunt with horns up, oh then we should be able to goodness. taunt with horns down. Yeah, it's weak. All and right. you know what else I hate in college football? I can't stand this in college football. Is when you get the refs that sprint over to the oh. guy that scored a touchdown just so they don't do any type of celebration. Like, get, come well, they're on. protecting them against themselves. Just relax, man. Help like, me help you. This is football. It's entertainment. Like, you'll notice, and I'm sure some people haven't noticed it, college football wrestling. Man, entertainment. These guys getting paid. They go right over there, man. I'm just like, hey, big dog, take it easy, man. Take it easy. Thank you. And the truth shall set you free. All right, yeah. You want to check out now? I mean, that quiz, getting 100 on a quiz, I mean, that's a rarity on the show. It's been a rarity my entire life. So to get 100% on a quiz right now, I don't know what else you're getting out of your boy. It's just that simple. Got that right. We'll come back. Kyle Glazer, Baseball America. Who are the real MVPs? Will you stand up? That's next. Rothman Nice on the fan. Unlike your deadbeat uncle, we'll never leave you stranded in a ditch when you were six. This promo may have been a touch too specific. The Fan. Sports talk well done. Just like Matty enjoys his steak. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Baseball's back. We do get a game tonight. Yanks-Bow Sox. Mm, the rivalry. And then you guys, the Redlegs, get the Brewers again for what, like four? Yeah, so man. Like, so that's amazing that these were all tied together in and out of the break. Kyle Glazer, our na- friend from Baseball America, national writer, is on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Kyle, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I heard, you know, uh, Dan Plesak was on the MLB Network the other night. or It was right after the All-Star game. Yeah. And I forgot to tell this to Maddie, Kyle. 
he said, because obviously he's a brewer, and he, he started, he got up, and he was he got down behind the desk, and he said, Reds are going to win the division. <laughs> and he goes, I'll never be invited back to Milwaukee. I mean, this is a this is Dan Plesak. This is a brewer saying this. Um, is he is he crazy to think that the Reds are going to steal this from Milwaukee? I mean, it's not crazy. They're only four games back. I think you look at the Brewers, you look at their rotation and their bullpen and also their track record. Craig Council has shown himself to be a great manager, particularly down the stretch. I think they have to be the favorite, but there have been a lot of teams who have overcome a four-game deficit at the All-Star break. I think you'd have to be crazy to say the Reds are out of it. Heading to the AL Central, hitch up on Cleveland. Right now, eight games back behind the White Sox. It's been really impressive what they've been able to do, even with all the injuries this year. Can they close the gap, or should Cleveland be focused more on maybe trying to get into a wild card situation there? Yeah, it's going to be really tough for them to close that gap. You look at them, they've actually been outscored on the year. They've really kind of outperformed what their kind of, you know, quote unquote, true record is. Um, but at the same time, you know, they've shown they can hit just enough. Um, depends a little bit what their pitching staff looks like, how healthy it can get. But realistically, yeah, you look at that wild card situation when they're only four and a half games back there, as well as just who they're competing against. That's way more likely to happen than making up an eight game deficit against a really good White Sox team that frankly hasn't been healthy most of the year. They're only going to get healthier from here on out. All right, Kyle, let's talk about, I mean, we've got certainly these incredible races, the Grom. Uh, against um, Tatis, we've got uh, Shohei uh, going up against Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, I, I know these these dudes that play every day. Let's do the Shohei argument here. Uh, his impact, how he impacts the game, uh, offensively and defensively, certainly in my mind enough to win MVP over Vlad, who plays every day and can dominate as well. Uh, do you feel the same way that? What would have to happen for Shohei not to win this? He'd have to get hurt or really, really, really tail off. And obviously that's always been the thing with him. He's an incredibly talented player, but injuries have been the part of his story. At 2018, he needed Tommy John surgery. Mm -hmm. After 2019, he had a knee surgery. Last year, the forearm issue. And this has been incredible to watch. It's also a lot of physical strain on his body. So seeing how he holds up into July, August, September, if he holds up, and he continues playing like he is. He's the runaway MVP, as amazing as Vlad is. It just comes down to health with him. Talk to us about the, Vlad's team, because he is the headline, and rightfully so, with what he's been able to do. But I, I think they're kind of a fun team to watch with some recognizable last names from some of their dads, obviously. But that Toronto team, do you like uh, what they're building and the direction they're headed in? Absolutely. You look at this offense, you look at what they have with Vlad, Bichette. You mentioned, obviously, Bichette and Biggio's fathers were big leaguers as well. But beyond them, I mean, Casco Hernandez started the All-Star game. That was a great trade acquisition a few years ago. They went out, they signed George Springer, they signed Marcus Simeon. Uh, this offense is really, really good. And really, with the exception of Simeon, they're all going to be there for at least a couple more years. This is an offense built for long-term success. It just comes down to pitching with them. We saw them debut Alec Manoa this year. He's been very good. They have some more pitching prospects on the way, but they're going to need to add some more arms. We've seen them go out and already add some guys to their bullpen and trades, and that's really what it's going to come down to, their long-term success. But the offense is here for them to have long-term success. It's just going to be about what kind of arms they add in free agency, trades, et cetera. 
I've been seeing some stuff here recently about the Cubs and their plans moving forward. Where are you right now with what they should do? And if you're in the camp of, hey, you're going to have to move a couple guys, who are some of the names that may get moved around and maybe hop on to a contender? Yeah, I mean, the fact that Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, and Chris Bryant are all free agents after the season means they're all on the table. Um, you know, maybe the Cubs can kind of pull a reverse or roll this Chapman with what the Yankees did, where the Yankees flipped him to the Cubs, and he was a free agent, and they signed him again hereafter, brought him back. But those three guys are all free agents. They're, they're all on the table. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, because he has a couple more years left on his contract, might be the guy they get the most for. He's someone else that's on the table. Uh, look, this is a Cubs organization that essentially punted before the season by trading you Darvish and what was a salary dump. Um, this is a team that is not really built to last pitching wise, especially. And, you know, they've kind of been pivoting toward this kind of sell off. And now with their most recent swing here, it looks like it's going to happen. Uh, give me your take on, you know, this is a big series, obviously, with Milwaukee, a continuing series for the Reds. And, and everyone thinks they're an interesting trade deadline examination, are they not? Because they're right in that middle ground as we get to the trade season where we have to expect them to choose a direction. It feels like they're going to be kind of a uh, mild buyer, but is there a number in your mind of what has to come out of this series when we start the second half of Milwaukee? When this when this series ends with Milwaukee, how many games out do the Reds have to be for you to say, yep, they're going to lean on buy. They're going to, they're going to go for it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if they get swept, that's going to affect some things. But if they, you know, uh, can can win, you know, two here, I mean, that's that's going to be big for them. Not just in in the central race, but even the wild card race. I mean, they're only three and a half back of the wild card. We just have to see what the Reds can actually afford. We saw before the season they gave away they they non tendered Archie Bradley and gave away Rysel Iglesias. They didn't actually sign a shortstop, which they desperately need. So. There's some red flags about how much money do they actually have and who can they afford to add. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they if they win two games here against the Brewers and, and move into the deadline relatively strong, there's no reason for them to not go say swing a trade with the Angels for Jose Iglesias. Only game on the schedule tonight, as we mentioned earlier, is the Red Sox and the Yankees. Man, the Yankees sitting there at eight games back in the division, right there, sandwiched between Toronto and Baltimore, has to be surprising for a lot of people. What's been the kind of thorn in their side, or even thorns in their side this year? They just play bad baseball. They've run into more outs on the bases than anyone else. Their defense has been bottom ten in the majors the entire year, bottom five for for parts of the year. I mean. You know, this this team lacks athleticism. It's very stagnant. Uh, but you can still bash your way back past some people, but they just don't play good baseball. We can talk about salary all we want. We can talk about all-stars all we want. If you run into outs on the bases and can't turn balls into playing to outs, you're not going to win many games. And unless that changes, not much is going to change for the Yankees. Kyle Glazer, Baseball America. Man, good stuff. Really looking forward to this second half, and we'll uh, ring you back soon. I know that. Thanks, Kyle. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. Good stuff. He was on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. You guys have announced uh, Mally, Castillo, and Gray for the next three. I like that. And Sonny is already back, so that's good. ready to go. That's good. And, you know, hey, the GM, Nick Crawl, came out and said they absolutely would love to be buyers. What did Pat Mahomes say? I'll see it when I believe it. <laughs> Whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll believe it when I see it coming from them because I, I know a lot of Reds fans don't really get a lot, very excited when the front office starts talking about spending a lot of money. And I know they just did it a, a season, an off season ago or two off seasons ago now with Moose and Castellanos and all of that. 
But that's where I've been at even before the Milwaukee series is that that they need to bust a move. And now that they put it out there on the record, let's see what they do because they got a squad that can make some noise. NFL two-minute drill up next. Uh, more details coming out with the Richard Sherman situation. We'll pass that along next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If the sound of another man slammed against plexiglass turns you on, you've come to the right place. Proud to be your home for Jackets hockey. The fan, Ohio sports destination. It's time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. All right, NFL two-minute drill. Richard Sherman story. Um, more reporting on that. Claims that he was intoxicated. Did actually, and this is the scary part, threatened to kill himself during a confrontation with family members before he got arrested on Wednesday morning in the Seattle suburb. That's according to a 911 caller who identified herself as the free agent cornerback's wife. Uh, I heard part of this. I didn't hear all of it. Uh, but the audio of the 911 call is out there and believed to be made by his wife. And ABC News had it, ESPN had it, and the caller described him as being drunk and belligerent and said he was threatening to kill himself. So a really scary situation. Uh, Thank goodness that didn't happen and no one was hurt. Um, She said he was being aggressive, wrestled with her uncle, and sent text messages to people saying, and this is rough, I'm going to hang myself. And so... This is a... And by the way, if if you did hear the 911 call or didn't, rather... There's time where, think about this, his wife is calling 911 and she's trying to talk to him and the 911 dispatcher at the same time. How like She's like, Richard, please stop. Like You can hear her. Mm-hmm. And then also trying to answer questions from the dispatcher and that, you know... That didn't do a great yeah. job, the dispatcher, yeah. by the way. If you haven't heard the call and you want to hear the call, I'd be surprised if you walk away from that mm-hmm. thinking that the dispatcher, I, I didn't think they handled it with care. I, I honestly don't. But, yeah, that's obviously as scary as it gets, man. And um, just hoping moving forward he can clean up what he, he needs to clean up with this kind of legal situation here. But more importantly, you know, getting himself right and whatever he may be dealing with. Again, in these situations, we never want to assume anything, but uh, that's just, uh, it's rough, rough how you feel. Even, you know, if you, no matter how you feel about Richard Sherman, the football player, you never want anybody in that headspace uh, to where he was there when he sent those text messages. So just an ugly, ugly situation, and uh, we'll just have to see what happens. And for him, you know, football should be out of sight, out of mind. Where was this a while back? The NFL putting four million into the pot to study and prevent hamstring injuries. Oh, Outstanding! God. We Let's, love that as fantasy people. My good, well, <laughs> yeah, this more importantly that nagging hammies can ruin a championship. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, so their scientific advisory board announced that they're going to do a four million dollar award to researchers at the University of Wisconsin, okay. Bucky Badger, Madison, huh? So the studies try to understand and prevent these, you know, lower extremity, soft tissue strains and hammies. I, I know them too well. Yeah. Um, never ripped one, thank God. Or tore, you know, you don't want to tear one. But I'll tell you, man, it, there's nothing like when you feel like your hammy is healthy again and then you tweak it. It's so there's, it's you, And you never know really when to go full bore to test it. Yeah, man. You're right. It's, you're absolutely it's right. Such, you can wrap it. You can do whatever. But then when you're finally like, okay, it feels pretty good. <laughs> it's that whiplash motion. It's And it, by the way, it's not usually 
or at least it never happened to me on the dead run, yeah. like in a movie. It usually happened with the sudden change in the whiplash, Ooh. the stop to start, and yeah. then there it goes. That's hard. Yeah. That That's a tough place to be. CB, get the horn ready, my Please. friend, because I got some news coming out of Minnesota. Horns up. You're tied in. Irv Smith, that's I like right. Him in fantasy. He says not only does he plan to be scoring a lot this season, but quote, he's seen a lot more swagger out of your guy, Mr. You Like That, Kirk Cousins. I've been waiting on her. I liked Irv Smith coming okay. out of college. I did. And you know, you had Kyle Rudolph, the veteran around. He's out there in the big apple now, rocking out with Daniel Jones. So now maybe this will present a more of an opportunity for Herb Smith Irv Smith, excuse me, but Irv also has to realize you guys got a three-headed monster, and he's probably fourth on the pecking order there. So two good things are a good thing happened and an unfortunate thing happened for him. The good thing happened is Kyle Rudolph is gone. Yeah. The bad thing is Justin Jefferson is here. Mm. And so And that boy good. Yeah. Now their defense, I'm not even like what he's saying is great. I kind of expect it. I I'm sure the Vikings offense will be okay. Yeah. Their defense will be better, but I don't think it's championship worthy and now it might be worthy enough to win the north if Aaron Rodgers isn't there so I can't wait to see what you guys got to get out of Patrick Peterson coming up to Minnesota veteran guy now he you know he latches on with a defensive minded head coach and Zim's up there I think the defense will be all right under that that's the one thing I would trust under Zim trust no doubt big trust absolutely trust me you want it you want some more (laughs) stuff I got sure. some stuff coming out of New England. Feed me, Seymour. And I like this. I like this. I like this. <laughs> little shop of horrors always gets me. I like this coming from Cam Newton. Mm. He says it's really put up or shut up time. And he ain't lying because Cam, if you don't get rolling, brother, Mac Jones is coming for your job. Now, look, it may not be early on in the season, but he can't look the way he looked coming back from COVID last year. Now, maybe that was it. But even before then, it wasn't great outside of him yeah. running on the ground. He had 12 rushing TDs last year, which is phenomenal. But he's got to go. And they brought in some reinforcements this mm-hmm. season on offense and defense that should help him out. But I agree with him, and I, I appreciate him being honest. He ain't running yeah. from it. You would, so he was on this morning on with Keyshawn. Okay, is that what and, it was? Okay. And they had a pretty good conversation that I was listening to. And he said something like, Time to I like this line. He's time to boogie. He got a little man. boogie going on. He's like time to boogie, yeah. and I like that. I think Cam's a Cam's a streaming quarterback right now for me. I, I don't know if I would. I can't trust it when he was in there, and uh, you know he did some good things. That's yeah, and that's fair not to trust him yeah. as far as fantasy. What I like though is kind of the the blend of Belichick mm-hmm. getting back to the two tight ends and Cam having some really good years with Greg Olson and maybe there's something there that can get him going is that they'll really go back to relying on their tight ends and Cam obviously when you get down to the red zone you know you're getting a handful of TVs and last year he doubled that and then some. And then some. All right. That'll do it for the uh, NFL two-minute drill. All right. Got a little golf to take me through the afternoon here. Nice little stuff going on over there in Samich, Kent, England. Uh, we'll see uh, what's happening with your boy Brooks. BK. And, and Bryson DeChambeau tomorrow. We'll come back and hit you at high noon. Have a great afternoon. Rothman and Ice on the fan.